Hello, hello. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone live on a Wednesday night. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Marcus Green, uh, the uh, three-headed snake that uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> see Marcus. You, you, I didn't even know where I was going with that, but you know, your laughter just kind of made me like just kind of caught me there. Uh, Hey, good to be back uh, on the air with you guys. Um, uh, Kelvin, how you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing good, man. You know, we got a W over the weekend. Volleyball one up, one out of two. You know, got to meet uh, some of our esteemed colleagues uh, from the from the uh, show. You know, it, even had one to um, hang around a little late just to yeah. meet us and, and come to find out. The day I went to the dentist, come to find out they run. We, we run in some similar circles. Small world, small world. Mm-hmm. Tallahassee is. I'm telling you, small world. Tallahassee <laughs> is amazing. It's amazing. Marcus, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. You know, had a good week. You know, uh, we finally got um, some separation on Saturday night, so I didn't have to toss and turn. You know, and everything else is looking good, and, and family's having a good week, and so am I. Well, I, I tell you, man, I'm y'all are doing better than me, man. I I dealing with some dealing with some stuff, man. My stomach ain't been right ever since watching the two twenty club earlier today. I just just like hmm. just yeah, I had to find it's all kinds. Of... Ooh, see, is is that schoolboy haircut, man? You know, you you looking like you fifteen, maybe, I... maybe twenty. <laughs> Give me, give me twenty. I don't know. Fifteen wasn't fifteen wasn't a good year. Give me, give me twenty. I got a lot of regrets from my twenties, my time at Miami. <laughs> a lot of regrets. So, but hey, it's good to be good to be back on with you. Good to hey, see you. Hey, you want to share them stories? Nope. You want to share them stories? You know, Gibbs Hall. You know, what's up? You know, Gibbs Hall. Gibbs we got Hall time. Is, Gibbs Hall is not there anymore, so my stories died with it. My, my stories. <laughs> <laughs> my stories are in that pile of rubble on the ground. So, yeah, that's exactly where my stories are. I'm going to leave them right there in the dirt. That's where they belong. So that's all I can say. Good to see uh, everyone jumping in. Please make sure, uh, hopefully, you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at ONG Strike Zone. Hit the thumbs up button or the like if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook. And um, those of you watching on Twitter, hello to you. And hopefully you'll get over and join the conversation with the good people that are in the chat room. And uh want to always encourage you to, we are part of the Black College Sports Network and Jericho Broadcast Networks. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Right up there, you see it, just search my JBN or my BCSN. Uh, 25 years, the BCSN has been streaming live HBCU content. And so um, good to have shows on and good to be a part of the 
Broadcast Network. Let me go to some shout outs first because we got a loaded show today. We got a three guest lineup for you tonight. We're going to start with uh, with a Rattler and an alum in the bottom of hour one, Maya Ellison, who's uh, NCAA.com uh, digital intern, a two time uh, uh, award winning journalist uh, right out of the School of Journalism and Communications. And so we're going to talk with her. And then at the top of hour one, we're going to meet the new bowling coach, Miss Capri Howard, the new bowling coach. We're going to talk to her. The bowling season is upon us. I saw they just released the schedule the other day. So we'll talk about that. And then at the bottom of hour two, Coach Riz, Coach Devin Rispress, I'm telling you, hooked another big fish for, for FAMU, boy, a four-star wide receiver. Uh, right out of the backyard. You know, it's amazing how how guys leave Tallahassee and then realize everything that I ever wanted was right here in the backyard. But I get it now. You know, I understand what it was like to want to leave home. But then, you you know, just imagine. It ain't always been that way, though. Uh, That's you know, true. Uh, you know, fortunately, we have a staff that is well-connected with the community. And 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 create environment so that those kids can and want to come home. And then the university has made some investments. You know, we're winning. So there's a lot of things that that go with that. But man, you know, as a local, I'm happy as a plum. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good it's a good thing um, that that's happening. And Coach Riz is. Uh, you know, Marcus, what uh, I know we're going to get heavy into recruiting talk. Well, just roughly, what what are the numbers like in terms of the Tallahassee connection that we've been able to build over the last season or two? Uh, I have to rack that up. Um, some of our more prominent players, of course, are Jacquez Yant. We had a returnee coming back from Minnesota, University of Minnesota DB. I don't think he's played any this year. But I thought at the beginning of the season, we had at least three or four, maybe more, just coming in from this year, our Tallahassee connection. So we know uh, between uh, Jacquez Yant, the running back position, we have um, Trey Wilhoyt at the. Uh-oh, did we lose Marcus? I think we lost Marcus there. Kelvin, you still there? He got snipe. Yeah, he got sniped. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move him out for a second and let him figure that situation out. All right, let's do that. While we're waiting on Marcus, let me go through a roll call of some people who have jumped in early in the chat. So I want to say what's up to us. Of course, Kenneth Rose, your first one jumping in. What's up? No, Mr. actually, Rose? Let, me, let me hold on. Let me go back for a second. I was wrong. Jimmy Mack was the first one in. Jimmy Mack, first one in. Jay Mack, so, what's going on? Yeah, good to see you, Jimmy Mack. Looking and, and forward to seeing you at at least one home game, if you can make it. Mm-hmm. Miss you, brother. Yep, good deal. Uh, Vaughn checking in. Uh, I might have oh, – look, I, I'm going to go with the theory uh, over-promise hey, and no, no, Hey, let, let me jump in on this one. Hey, Vaughn, <laughs> I watched the uh, YouTube, and I, I saw them all over YouTube, so I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I might have got it all out then. That was kind of 
that was kind of fun. But uh, so I may be, I don't know, I've had six hours to digest and it ain't been good on my stomach. Uh, Steve Campbell, good to see you. Uh, thanks for coming in, uh, asking the question, are we going to have our guests from Valley? Man, I wish. I wish I would have thought to to reach out to my guys, but no, we, we, we got to keep shirts on uh, for, for this episode. So uh, unless, Kel, you know, I don't know, Kelvin, Kelvin may go tank top later in the show. Just stick around. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Bull jumping in. Um, yeah, talking about the broadcast from ESPN Plus. I, I will say this, Bull. I know what he's talking about, about the commercials running long, which is kind of surprising to me because they had a red hat. And, and those of you who, if you've ever looked down on the field during a commercial, well, what, during a long timeout, you'll see a guy usually in a, he's usually behind offense. And not always, but anyway, if you look down on the field, down by the home side, sideline. You'll see a guy in a red hat, sometimes a red hat and red shirt. Well, the first couple games of the year, there was a guy in that same manner, but he had a, uh, what would you say, Kevin, like a a, a timer, a, a, a billboard that had a time clock on it. That was the amount of time that the commercial was going to run. This game on Saturday did not have that. This was an old school, hey, I'm the red hat. I'm here keeping up with the production booth. And when it's ready, when they're back from commercial, they'll, you know, hey, we'll tell the official, okay, Mr. Official, we're good to go. It's usually about a three-minute segment. I don't I don't know why, you know, that was off. Because there were, you know, coming back from break, we were like in the middle of a play or bam, the play was that. That, that wasn't supposed to happen. So, I noticed the first quarter, first half was like that. I don't know if that happened all game or not, to be honest. But uh, so that's a little critique from from Bull. You saw that, Melissa Wilson checking in. Duh, checking in, uh, and she too agrees with with Bull's coverage. Uh, <laughs> straight trash, huh? Well, that's tough, man. I tell you, we are all critics here. Uh, Meredith, good to see you, Meredith. I got to go back and watch it now because I, I didn't watch the stream. I'm telling you, it, it it's it, and what's funny is from someone who is I'm in the next box over, so I'm you know I'm there and I kind of I'm watching and that's kind of shocking how all that went down. So anyway, uh, I think Marcus is back. Marcus, how you doing? All productions issue solved for you? I hope so. It just shut off on me. Yeah, that that happens. That happens. Dog on internet. Coach Rossi, good to see you. Uh, checking in. Uh-huh. Uh, Demetra coming in. I'm going to keep it clean today. No, no mess from me. <laughs> I promise. I, you know, over promise and under deliver maybe. Um, let's see who else checking in, uh, watch JD TV. Yes. This is a, this is a wear a shirt episode today. Uh, with Valley, we're traveling the Valley. You know, all shirts <laughs> must be worn. Uh, all shirts. We got somebody from the from the first season. From yes, season that, one. That, you remember that? that? Yes, and that that's love. That that tells you y'all remember it. I think you know what's funny, Kelvin. I think there's some people that were probably eagerly expecting or hoping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that that uh, that we would have our guest on from Mississippi Valley, but unfortunately, I had to do spoiler alert. We do not have them on or have him on tonight uh chuck hey, Hunt, I, check it out. hey 
just the just the you know well i got my good teeth because i went to the dentist today this is as good as they gonna get there you go <laughs> stop it if you know you know you got to go back and that's one of them archive episodes uh from the first season chuck hunt from monroe louisiana good to see you chuck thanks for checking in kenya sykes checking in as well good to see you kenya montre bennett uh-huh Stam. Sam Dixie checking in. Sam, of course, Damn. serving it up for the commissioner this past weekend. I had a whole hog on the, the grill. Hey, best tailgate in the swag. I heard it from the commissioner's son. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stamp that as commissioner approved. You know, folks, some other folks from other schools were giving me some grief about that. But uh, look, I'm, I'm telling you, when you get the commissioner that made it, look what he do, Kelvin. He made a he made a trip back. Right? Yes, he did. He, he passed us one time, said hello, and then what he do? He came <laughs> back. He came back to get some of the hogs. So that just tells you the commissioner had did a scout around Bragg and realized, oh, them guys had or Sam had the good. Tailgate. We swag. We swag. Right? We swag. Yeah, now. we swag. We swag. Official. We, we, we official. We, we official. official. Uh, Tony checking in. Good to see you, Tony. Yeah. Um, Camera T, yes, good to see you. That's who we. That's who we had a chance to meet. Uh, uh, it was great meeting you. Thank yeah. you, appreciate it. All love. Sure, for sure. All right. Uh, let me see who else is in here. Marcus in here. Good to see. What's Marcus. up, Marcus? Joined us at the tailgate. We saw Marcus. That's you know. Hey, and 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 somebody mail Marcus his doggone tickets. Y'all had Marcus having to come into town. Let me hold on. Let me stop. I almost about to get started. About to get, about to get fired up in here. Uh, but I, I, I love the fact that Marcus was able to, to put that on, put that, make that well known. Great job, Marcus, earlier today. John Taylor checking in. Good to see you, John. Fellas, fellas. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll come back and hit a few more people up as I see them, but let's kind of get into the meat of what's going on. Um, coming out of the, the win, win number 17 in a row for the boys. Um, Marcus, uh, we didn't get a chance to hear from you post game show, so let's start with you. Your your analysis, your your quick thoughts and takes from the game against Alabama State. Well, we started out uh, doing pretty good. You know, came out with a bang. I think. Well, first of all, props to the defense. It seemed to me, and I have to go back and reflect on it. It seemed like the whole game we were fighting a long field, and I think even our touchdowns uh, were long drives, at least 80 yards plus, maybe 90. And so having to drive the long field, Alabama State seemed like their offense, their defense was a little uh, off kilter, seemed like we had our way in the first half. So props to the defense because we were getting short fields, even when they didn't score, which wasn't often. Um, They put us in a bad field position inside the 15 or worse. And so the Offense not being able to move the ball. They got great field position, seemingly like all game, but just couldn't take advantage of it. Special teams, got to work on it. I mean, the kickoff after our touchdown, it looked like our guy, number 11, got blocked out of bounds and basically opened the scene for him to get to have midfield. And so I think we, we, that was a good win. And, you know, in a season like this, you're going to have either close games or a come-from-behind win that you're going to have to 
navigate during the course of the season. So this was good to have a close win. And if I recall correctly from our preseason analysis, I thought Alabama State would be the closest contender for the crown for the SWAC East. And so the game kind of went how I thought it was. I was impressed with the quarterback and that Keyshawn Johnson. I'm like, dude, I mean, he's playing like his NFL former NFL counterpart because he was all over the place and and just seemed like he was uncheckable. And but overall, I think we had a pretty good game. Still some things we need to clean up. And the efficiency we're seeing at the QB position the last two weeks, I don't think our points, our final point totals belying what we're seeing from Jeremy Musa. Because he's basically, I think over 60 percent maybe even 65 percent the last two weeks and we've left a lot of opportunities on the board mm-hmm. we got to get our hand on the football no more fumbles no more turnovers and um, overall i thought it was and get the run like, game going and get the run game and i think teams have pretty much adopted the south florida mantra of stacking up the run and daring jeremy musa to beat us and i think we're fully capable when he's shown that the last two weeks with a 65% or better completion rate against uh, West Florida and now uh, Alabama State that he can, but we can't depend. We shouldn't have to depend on that with the talent that we have. But but are we, are we really depending on it or are we just t- using what we have? And, and that is right now we've got a lot of weapons in the – pass catching category and we have a veteran experienced quarterback and I I know we all want the run we all want more from the running game but the passing game is just right now it's the it's it's efficient it's the best in the swag I I know don't everybody don't everybody kill me don't everybody (laughs) kill me here I'm just calling it what it is it's like you know if 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 you if you the most handsome guy in a in a in a room full of you know slogs. Well, then you just got to be that guy. You know, you just got to be that guy. I'm, but I'm just saying what I'm what I'm trying to say is I know a lot of people are poo pooing the quarterback play in the swag. We got the best. We got the best guy. The statistics show it. And the last two weeks he's shown up. Look, we we have scored on our first offensive drive of the game in three of the four games we played. Mm-hmm. Which was exact opposite of last year. Last exactly. year we were all lamenting a slow start. Exactly. So we're starting fast, but we need to play a full complete game. If we played a full complete game, he would probably have at least another 500 yards of passing, and our scoring average would probably be in the 40s because we've seen the points left on the board and the passes not caught or the passes overthrown. It seems like the last two weeks we were having a lot of drops, whereas in the first game or two we were having some some throws that were a little errant that could have been could have yielded big big things and also Vaughn noted that the defense didn't really give up a touchdown because that was kind of a fluke play in terms of yes, the ball popping up yes. and, and all credit to the wide receiver so not taking anything away from Alabama State but if you think about it, basically you know, the quarterback for Alabama State I don't recall his name threw the ball he was in the grasp he threw it up basically up for grabs and we had two defenders I think we had Eric Smith and Isaiah Major in the area, and it popped up in the air, and the secondary receiver snagged it out the air, and everybody was scrambling, trying to get to the, where the, they thought the ball was going to be, and he caught it and just took it in. So other than that, despite the near 300-yard 
uh, passing. No, it wasn't Demetrius Davis. He was, I don't know if he was benched or, or if he was hurt, but it was another quarterback. No, I, they, they, they replaced him. Uh, mm-hmm. the guy, I think that same quarterback finished the game yeah. previous. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. And so, you know, that was a sign that he was probably going to start. I thought actually, uh, I think both of them are sophomores, but I actually thought that quarterback didn't look bad. Correct. No, I, I think he, he may, he may give them a chance to, uh, mm-hmm. With their defense and you know and and the weapon they have at receiver against the rest of the swag, they you know they already beat Southern, so mm-hmm. they, but that counts. Is that counts a conference game or was that a not no? One of those uh-uh, it doesn't. Yeah, so it doesn't count. But yeah, I mean he looked Stewart. Thank you, Kenya. I mean he looked good, and for you know coming yeah. in and the defense, their defense tightened up in the second half, and and I know we tried to run and we didn't have much success, and it seemed like the defense. Turnovers, was, third quarter, third yeah, quarter. Was, Marcus was when we had those uh back-to-back turnovers, mm-hmm. and um, and we were marching on that play when uh, Musa yeah. got stripped. Yeah. We were in, I think, on the plus side of the field. And we were going. Well, well in. I, I, I'll try to be as brief as possible. I'm, a, I just want to get some pointed points in. The last uh outside of the South Florida game, we've only given up three points in the first half against all three opponents. So to speak to the how dumb the dark cloud defense is, yeah, we were a little frustrated because, you know, Alabama State had a, a little time off. They had a week, the prize week off. So they, they you know, and Coach kind of mentioned this. So from a scheme standpoint, those first couple of drives, you know, they, they basically went unbalanced. You know, they had three to four receivers on one side in a bunch formation. Then they were motion out a, a um, running back sometimes also and then just throw it over there and try to you know and and so the first couple of plays it was effective and then we played off the uh receiver so that gave uh a free release to the to the to receiver in the slot and um you know they they kind of hurt us there a few times but outside of that man the bottom line was you right we, we had a long field the entire game really and um, the defense, every time, no matter what happened, you know, you know, because uh, I think Coach also pointed out they started on the plus side of the field most of the time with their drives, mm-hmm. and the defense would uh, you know, push them back, you know, and so forth, and then they sealed the win with a uh, pick six. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy with the defense. The other thing I point out is we've played our four best opponents on paper already. So now to the other side of it, uh, coach mentioned about the injuries. We, we've got some, some, some guys banged up, particularly on the O line there. And we've got some guys who haven't started or only played partial games. So I, I kind of get some of the issues we've had, but we talked about our depth. We talked about the experience of this team. So starting with this Valley game, I know we're going to do predictions later, but you know, Based on who we played, the caliber team we have talent-wise and, and the experience, this is a game. This Valley game is where we got to put up points. Delta State put up 35 against them. Central just put up 45 against them. So we got this is the game we got to put up 40-plus. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing I see in the comments, and I will circle back around, but you know, I was sitting here watching the game like, 
who is refereeing this game? I mean, there was one Ooh. lateral, one lateral that was a forward pass. There, there were two. We one almost brought the belt. This, this, we ain't gonna bring the belt out this week. Yeah, I know. But, I but thought, we talked about it. You we might did. need to have an orange belt. On, gonna get the belt. Orange and green belt on the sidelines because between that and the one where you missed it down, which is when the, the drive where um, Musa punched uh, second offensive drive, punted, second offensive yeah. drive of the game. Pooch punted, and then there was the one they thought was a ladder. Well, they called it a ladder, and it was a clear forward pass in the first half. And then near the game when we were, I guess, trying to work out kinks in the offense and trying to run up the score, and they almost did the same thing again. So I'm like, there was like a whole – in front of the commissioner and on him. ESPN, there was yeah. a whole, like, cavalcade of errors that were going on. So Yeah, how do you forget a hole down? Well, I mean, they 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 so, they forgot yeah, to hold down. Like we, I know in our section. Well, I was sitting. We was like, "Hey, the guy ain't changed the." It was it that was on second down. We was like, "Hey, he hadn't changed the change the back to second down. down. He had third back, down, right? Exactly." Then yep. we were pointing it out back then. Then when it got the third down, and he had fourth down, we was like, "It's it's third down. What's the what's the confusion here?" And they never corrected it. So that's the play where Musa end up doing a uh a, 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 a pooch kick but man they they were i mean Black i card. mean there was one play in the, in the in the what was that the third or fourth where where they let the guy get like 10 yards the pals you know they started yes. like a three four yard game and there was a big pile and and and, and like for 10 seconds <laughs> you know they let it go on and on and luckily nobody came and submarine the, the pile and stuff and somebody got hurt but uh, they they you know they wouldn't blow the whistles, man. It was, I don't. I mean, they thought a they thought a a a, a forward pass was a fumble or a lateral. <laughs> I never figured out which one they thought it was. But either way, I'm like, man, I don't, do I, these I, guys need glasses? Did they go out drinking? I mean, <laughs> it was horrible, man. Yeah, it was bad. I gotta call it like it is. Them Russell, yeah. I don't know what the hell was wrong with them. Yeah, be be thankful that that game didn't and wasn't closer because I would have hated for that game to have come down to the officiating and some of the missed opportunities that they created. Um, and also I'll even call out, you know, uh, it was extremely physical, but there was also a yeah. lot of trash talking, yeah. uh, a lot of questionable, I'm not going to call it dirty. You can, if you want, but it was a lot of questionable actions going on in that contest and i'm not just talking about on the sideline i'm talking about between the lines very close to the sideline and so that is look the, the rivalry if you didn't think there was a rivalry between famu and alabama state there is now it is hmm. official um and so look i mean we you know we we just gonna have to keep keep close to the vest when uh, whenever we uh, travel, Rattlers gonna have to stay together when you travel in Alabama. You know, for, for well, I was going almost said something. I said no, I'm not. Uh, but anyway, you just gotta stay. You just gotta stick together, um, so that you don't get stung by any hornets when you're rolling around in Alabama. Hey, one thing to note: our defense. I was looking at the uh, stats from the NCAA stats. We are number one not only in the FCS but also in the conference. And team tackles for loss. Uh, we're number one in the conference in team sacks, number nine in all of FCS. 
Uh, if you go and look at the numbers that Anthony Dunn is putting up individually, uh, he's putting up some some top notch numbers in in FCS. So uh, as you start to see in these next couple of weeks, I, I have a feeling you're going to start to see his name on some watch list. You should uh, because uh, he, he's starting to make a name for himself as well as this defense. But um, all right, let's do this, fellas. Let's take a let's take a short break. Come back on the other side, talk to Maya Ellison on the other side of the break. We'll talk to her about this season, what she's observing from FAMU and uh, how, you know, how how she does what she does, where she's at, um, former FAMU, well, not, well, former student in the School of uh, Journalism and Broadcast Communications. So uh, we'll talk to her on the other side. You guys hang right in there with us so we can take a short break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse, intelligent and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Going to Florida, and we're gonna bring you back a victory to Jackson. Yeah. Not the yard. What? What you say, now, Chuck? <laughs> man, you a plum fool, man. <laughs> y'all, y'all almost let me forget about Chuck. Can't forget about Chuck. Welcome, uh, no. welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, Brian, Kelvin, and Marcus here. We're gonna have. Uh, Maya Ellison joining us in just a second. Just waiting to see. I know she's in the chat feed, and so I think she is all set to go. So let me go ahead 
and get our first guest set to go. And uh, there she is, everybody. Miss Maya Ellison. Uh, Hi. Maya, welcome to the uh, ONG Strike Zone. You look like you are dressed appropriate for the job for the uh, for the call. You know, you know, just graduated in the spring. You know, I'm done with my family, but I'm a rattler for life. My dad's a rattler. It runs in the family. So, you know. <laughs> Very nice. Well, yeah, congratulations on, on that, uh, a, a spring graduate. Um, Thank you. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you're from. You mentioned that your your dad is a rattler. Uh you know, kind of give us from the A. I was gonna let her you know. do all that. Go ahead and give us a little background <laughs> so people who don't who may not be familiar with you can get to know you a little bit. Yes, well, first of all, it's such a pleasure to be on tonight. You all bring the energy. You know, I've been watching and I'm just excited to be here. But like I said, I'm Maya. I am a recent graduate and I'm from the A. So, you know, I'm from the east side, you know, Mr. Green, you know. So <laughs> Um, but really, I got my start in sports, honestly, from my dad. So like when I was little, so he went to FAMU, like I said, um, he was a computer science major, but he played baseball. So growing up in Atlanta, you know, he was all about the sports. Like we want to get you in swimming and soccer, um, in tennis, you know, didn't go the softball route. OK, but he was the one that actually inspired me to more so get into mm. sports. And my main thing came from so like I play tennis. I'm still playing tennis. And, you know, I'm watching tennis matches as I'm younger. And me and my dad would have conversations like, why aren't there so many black women that are representing us, you know, within the tennis realm? And that right there was like the spark for me. I already did broadcastings in my elementary school, middle school and high school. So I just kept it going. So a little bit about like my experiences before I got to FAMU, I interned with CNN News Source. Then that went on to me covering FAMU right when I got to FAM. I guess right when I got to school in 2019, which then turned into me covering Florida State with the Orlando Sentinel. Um, I've worked with Fox 5, with Turner Sports Production, uh, with ESPN, um, worked with Tiffany Green and um, her show, Black College Live, and, you know, just so many other things. And now I'm here uh, with NCAA. So I am with the digital team and pretty much what we do, we cover all sports. So whether that's FBS, FCS, uh, uh, soccer. Uh, right now we're covering like cross country, you name it, like we're covering it. And it's really just the benefit of like helping tell those stories. Like that's really why I'm in the sports room to like help tell those stories. If you're an athlete that has something that you want to get off your chest, you know, you have a story to tell, like that's my main goal. And I guess that's why I'm passionate about it. So that's the little gist, like the shorter version of my background in sports. <laughs> Oh, that, that's, All that's, right. awesome. that's awesome. Go ahead, Marcus. Thank you. Yes. Well, I was a little bit more interested in your work with the NCAA.com. And I know yeah. we, one of the friends of the show, Stan Becton, I believe he yes. covers um, FCS. I'm not sure if he covers the full gamut or FCS. I know he's. we've had him on a couple of times and he's spoken to us about, uh, I guess, observations on FAMU yeah. and the FCS landscape. So I was curious to understand exactly on your role and what latitude you have with the position you currently have. 
Yeah. So Stan is my dude. Like I've been able to ask him so many questions. So he does the full latitude of FCS. Um, he also does cross country. And so I'm trying to learn the, the realms around what goes behind covering like FCS right now they have us on FBS. So basically what my role looks like, it's more of an, like a fellowship. So it's pretty much for a year. And what they teach us, honestly, is just the aspect of, of whether that means covering a team, we have things called super pages. So if you go on the website, you can check out how each FCS team is doing each week, you know, thanks to Stan, thanks to so many others within our team. But it's such amazing. Um, I say it's an amazing experience, especially for college students. I'm just graduating. So I know a lot of my friends have those conversations, like just being transparent about the nerves of leaving school and trying to figure out what the next step is. And so I was really adamant, honestly, like I was like, I want to work in sports, whether that's me being on air, whether that's me producing, being in a digital room, wherever I can, you know, learn the ins and outs of what goes into covering sports. And this role is perfect because like I was saying before, it's not just covering football, it's each season. So for us, we're responsible for everything from handling bleacher report posts on social, from handling uh, like right now they my first assignment literally was crazy. I had to write up the Ohio State schedule and I had to put it on the website, you know, like just right out the gate. But they had so much faith in me and three other interns to be able to take on that opportunity. So, yeah, you know, just covering football uh, for the fall season, cover, helping cover like cross country, like Stan does that. He's on the road all the time um, covering soccer and volleyball. And it's not just to like your FBS schools, but to your FCS, for your D2, for your D3, you know, just really being a platform, I guess, in this case, for me to understand what it takes to cover and keep people up to date about what's going on in sports. And it's honestly helping because like, I've never watched soccer a day in my life, but now I can talk about like, who's ranked number one, like what's going on. And honestly, I'm just really adamant about learning. You know, like I said, I grew up on football. So now I'm like, well, let me try myself at different sports. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Nice. Go ahead, uh, Kelvin. I'm interested to know first, what was your favorite experience at FAMU in terms of what you, similar to what you do in, in the media uh, journalistics uh, sphere? And then what is something that you would like to do uh, in the future that you haven't had a chance to do yet? Man, that's a really good question. Like, I feel like I was the type of student where I just wanted to do everything. Like, I coined my professor, Professor Jones, for, like, setting the, the pathway for me at School of Journalism. Um, but I'll say my favorite moment was receiving my award. So, like, the first time I didn't know crazy story. I didn't even know. It was during COVID. And at the time I was helping cover Florida State because I was like, well, you know, we go on the side of tracks, like what we doing. So I ended up covering Florida State and I actually submitted. No, he actually submitted that off of luck. It was a package that I did on Florida State football. Came back during COVID and he was like, uh, you want an award? And I was like, really? Like, I, you know, at the time it was COVID. I was like a sophomore. I was like, I don't have nothing to do. And so after he told me that, like, that was the, I guess that was the fuel that I needed to really say, okay, like, this is what I want to do. Um, and then fast forward to before I graduated and I took a stab at uh, covering politics. So I ended up driving all the way to Thomasville, Georgia. So, you know, Thomas County is like an hour away. So I got up at six in the morning, drove all the way to Thomas County, <laughs> 
and I ended up covering, uh, it was election season. And so he was like, this is a really good package. We want to submit for awards. Like, this is what we're doing. So I said, okay, Professor Jones, like, you know, you got it. You know, he'd have been. So he submitted it and I ended up getting an award. I got one of the finalist awards. So I would say those two were like the biggest accomplishments to me, just because it was like, I don't know. I, I feel like people that are in journalism, I mean, you all can probably attest to that. Like, just, it, it, I don't know. It's just seeing like, sometimes you look at other people, especially for me coming out of college, like it's like you question your abilities, but then just having those moments really was just like the solidification that I needed. Like, you know, this is what I love to do. There should be no reason why I should question my passion and my love for sports. So I'll say those two. And maybe just covering FAMU as a whole. Like, I don't know. Like, I was always on the field. You can ask my friends. I was never in the stands. I think I'm kind of spoiled on that sense. Like, <laughs> if I come, seriously, like, if I come back for homecoming, I'm nine times out of ten going to be on the field instead of in the stands. <laughs> so I feel like I've gotten spoiled in that aspect. Oh, and oh. then, oh, you said what? Uh -oh. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, yeah, but yeah, what about what about in the help. future? What is something you would love to do? Oh, in the future. Okay, so I have a long list. Um, so like right now, my passions are being on air, um, being a sports journalist, being able to tell stories. And I want to be able to do that within the NFL. You know, like I look at you look at people like Tiffany Green, who's my mentor, um, Pam Oliver, who has been such a pioneer in the sports world. Um, I have mentors like Laura Oakman, so many others. And they just set an example for especially women like me that look like me. Um, but I definitely want to make it somewhere where I can just help tell those stories, whether that's like through the NFL, which I always used to say. Now I feel like I'm branching out into like tennis and golf. And sometimes people are like, that's a little weird. I feel like there aren't too many people that look like you that are in tennis and golf. But I'm like, don't knock it, y'all. Like, I feel like when you look at stories like, for example, take when Serena Williams went against Naomi Osaka, right? And the whole narrative was these two Black women getting pitted against each other. And I rarely remember, honestly, I mean, I ask you all, like, I rarely remember seeing someone come out a journalist and say it's not about pitting two black women against each other it's about someone that's walking into the game playing against someone that they basically look up to and it's not even about pitting two black women against so and i feel like you know that's a whole nother conversation but i will say like the reason why i get passionate about that is because i am a tennis player and i want to be able to come out and say look like speak up for black women in sports, speak up for the conversation around black quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, how black gymnasts within the uh, collegiate aspect are really paving the way right now. So yeah, I, I guess that answers your question. So if you see me yeah. on the tennis channel, you know, you know, just know I made it. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I know once you, once you get that buzz of being on the sideline, yeah, you, you'll never want to go back. Yeah, you know, you know, you never want to go back to the stands, and then once you get into the press room and then yep. you get the, the media food and all that stuff, <laughs> media food, the like I gotta bring it back. back. Once I once I realized that, oh, in the media they got free drinks and oh, it was over. I oh yeah, I never they went got. back to the stands. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, they got it, yeah, play um, free drinks, everything. I, look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Uh, so look, Maya, I'm curious. You uh, spending some time 
over at Florida State and doing some coverage there, and obviously with your time at FAMU. Talk a little bit about some of the differences that you see in uh, maybe just the way things are done, the way things have been done, and maybe just some of the uh, how you see FAMU being covered. Yeah. You know, maybe uh, compared to how you see Florida State being covered or at that time when you were there. Oh, yeah. That's so I'm so glad you asked this question. So long story. So I did a project this past spring on NIL. This is, for example. So as we know, NIL is this whole wild, wild west within the sports world, especially for college athletes. The whole conversation that coaches have on whether are these athletes coming because they love the game or is it because they just want to make money, you know? So that right there, when I did my documentary and I talked to the AD, I talked to Isaiah Land, I talked to Nick Dixon, um, Trey Benson over at Florida State, uh, Kaylee Mudge, who's actually a softball player at Florida State. She's their number one earner at the time she was. Um, And honestly, just taking a look at the differentiation between the two, meaning how much money is allocated to the athletic department, which makes a big deal from both sides. Um, whether that is a trend of seeing fam you covered in a negative light whenever certain things happen versus Florida State being covered in more of a positive light. And, I, and we understand, you know, we're talking about FBS versus FCS, but I feel like it shouldn't be a differentiation. So going back to the NIL conversation, for example, you look at Trey Benson, who's in your top 50 earners in the country uh, at the time, I think he was. Yeah, he was in the top 50 or top 100, but he was in the top um, of NIL earners. But we're talking in the country and then we're talking about Isaiah Land. He had an NIL deal at the time with Hungry Howie's. And I remember Nick was like, there should be no reason why Isaiah Isaiah should have a deal with uh, Hungry Howie's. There should be no reason why Xavier should even be struggling or not have any NIL deals at all. For example, you know, we had those conversations, but the whole, I guess, message behind that was a lot of the athletes from both sides are still struggling, I guess, to understand NIL, which people don't understand. Like from an athlete's perspective, for someone at Florida State, for example, I'm a top earner in the country. I don't have to pay for anything. I already get extra stipends. I'm set. For someone that's like at a school, at an FCS school or an HBCU, trying to figure out, hey, you know, I rely on these NILs to make it, to, you know, send back to my family. I think that should be the positive message behind NIL, not exactly, well, this player is making this, this player is making that, but how NILs are honestly helping athletes. So like that was one, I guess, differentiation. Um, But in coverage, it's, I see it now, like with NCAA, you know, we, I'm, I'm at a great place because we cover everything equally, but I know that in some cases that that always doesn't happen. And I don't even know, I mean, I know what to blame, but it's, it's kind of hard to, talk about it because we know how much like I said earlier how much money is allocated to Florida State how much money is allocated to FAMU you know there are I always talk about even JUCO athletes there are some guys out here that are doing numbers on these FBS guys but yet they don't get the coverage you know and I feel like it's the same conversation with HBCUs and it's always oh, let's talk about FAMU when we make it to the Celebration Bowl well let's talk about FAMU when we're undefeated you know, or like, let's talk about Florida State, regardless of the situation. I feel like it's a sense of um, demographic. And even like when I was covering, that was two, three years ago, just the ambiance, for example, of like 
being in the press box there, being in the press box at FAM, both energies are completely different, both in positive ways, obviously, but like they are completely different. And you all know, I think uh, as journalists, though, we have an obligation to help put FAMU on the map, just like these FBS schools. And that's what I'm learning. Like, I'm still learning that, you know, um, but I hope that I get to a point where I can talk about FAMU and talk about Jackson State and NC Central in the same light as, you know, like a Florida State or a UNC or, you know, those are UGA. Mm. Yeah. Why, you 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 an old soul, boy. You you see it. <laughs> I tell you what, boy. You, you see it. I'm like, you're hired. Look, she, oh she, my she, goodness, you're hired. She, I, I still got I'm my not, training wheels on. I'm not. I'm not buying it. You got some great teachers. Uh, I'll tell you that, Marcus. Go ahead. Thank you. Actually, I have a I have a couple of questions. I'm trying to figure out which way to go. I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask, have you had a chance to observe? I don't know if you're traveling like Stan, but I don't know if you've had a chance to observe family football this year. So I want to get your perspective. The other thing I wanted before you go, one of the questions I want to ask, and it's kind of not related to family per se, but it's uh, the challenges and triumphs that you have or have had or maybe anticipate being an African-American woman in sports journalism. So I know it's Ooh. kind of divergent, but yeah, no. you know, first I want to get your opinion on what you've seen from FAMU thus far. Good, bad, things you can improve because you're still a fan and you're an alum. So mm-hmm. you, know, you can put your put your two cents in, but I also want to ask the more important question in terms of yeah. uh, being in a sports journalism in an industry that's growing more and more women. And I follow a lot of folks on social media, but it's still to a certain point or to a, a big, large point dominated mm-hmm. by males. Yeah, of course. Well, I guess starting on FAMU topic, I saw something on Twitter the other day, and I don't know who said it, but the tweet was, we're not the hunters anymore. We're the ones being hunted. And that right there was like, that was deep because like you take a look at the past, I guess we'll say since Coach Simmons has been there and just the change that I guess he's brought upon the Rattlers, the energy that he brings. You all talk about it on the show. He doesn't shy away from talking about the positives and the negatives in the same light. And I think that's what makes a really, really good coach when you can like, for example, you all talked about it, the mentality, you know, we see that. And I noticed it even being at FAMU, you know, sometimes as athletes, being a former athlete myself, it's all about staying in the game. My dad taught me that, you know, you always in tennis, you never want to give up the last point, you know, because something could always change. The same goes for football. You never want to give up at all. You know, you want to play your fullest until the end. And I know that, you know, the whole mentality conversation, um, you know, the team is hungry. We know they're hungry, but it's all about, I guess, asking players, how bad do you want to win? Um, This year, though, I feel like we look really good. I feel like we look efficient on all ends, offensively and defensively. I have these conversations with my friends, and I remember at the beginning of the season, they were like, damn, you is not going to do good, I said. I better watch what you say. You know, I was like, y'all. Be- so I was like, no, y'all are crazy. Like, and turns out they were crazy. So, <laughs> but no, like really just evaluating. Like I, we have some heavy hitters, you know, we got Jeremy Musa, Terrell Jennings. Yeah. You know, he was showing out at Jackson state and so many others, uh, Isaiah major Eric Smith, gentle hunt. Um, I feel like we are really dominating, like I said, on all ends and being efficient and just seeing the conversation behind us about to be on the road. Um, 
And that is also a mental challenge. I feel like people don't talk about that in a sense, like having to be on the road away from, you know, that orange and green energy away from being right at, at the stadium. You know, um, I feel like that is also a mental test in itself. And there's this conversation that I'm hearing from my friends and we talk about this all the time, you know, just talking about, for example, Southern Mississippi Valley, uh, Texas Southern, we can easily beat them. But I feel like we shouldn't also count them out because just like I said earlier, we're not the ones that's going hunting. They're trying to hunt us, meaning that every team that's going out to like battle us, where we're going to battle, like they're going to bring their A game, whether they have a good record or not, whether the stats are showing it or not. Um and I feel like we have a very good chance, of course, of continuing this winning streak that we're on. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't let up. You know, we shouldn't leave room uh, to, you know, let things pass us by for the for the defense to lack up, uh, for the offense to miss out on certain opportunities. Um, and just little stuff like that that I've been realizing. But overall, I think we're doing great. You know, at least from what I'm seeing, I wear my family shirt with pride to work. So <laughs> I, wear it to, I wear it with pride every day so you know but one thing i am super excited though is for the homecoming game like prairie view that's gonna be really good and like there's some history behind that coach simmons being there about over five years ago um they're number one right now we're number one so it's like a battle at the top and so like i said earlier there should be no room to let up on your a game at all so i'm excited for that like i'm, I'm super excited hopefully i'm there Hopefully I can sneak something in with NCAA to help cover that, but fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, let, look, let us, let us know who we need to send tweets to. We'll, we'll get Rattler Nation on it. We got to tell the NCAA, well, hey, you got to send, send Maya to, uh, to homecoming. Come on now, NCAA.com. Uh, yes, I definitely want to send. And even like talking about this, not just football, like I feel like, we shouldn't surpass so many of the other things that we're doing as Rattlers. We're talking about volleyball. Tennis just did really well this past, what was that, a couple weeks ago? Was that a week ago? A couple weeks ago, they came here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, uh, our, yeah, our volleyball team is doing well. Like, I feel like Rattlers have a sense of pride right now, and we've always have. And I feel like people have been missing us and putting us under the rug for a while. But now we're making noise with not only just football, but, like, with our lady Rattlers, man. Like, they're – they're dominating. And so I just can't even wait to see them, you know, defend that swag title uh, with volleyball, tennis, with those ladies just really doing well on all ends. And even like with our football, making it to the Celebration Bowl, hopefully I'll see you all, you know. <laughs> yes. I already got my hotel. See, there we see, go. That, 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 that's, what, that's what Rattlers, real Rattlers are doing right there. Just go exactly. ahead and book your hotels now. Book your hotels Exactly. Now. Uh, Maya, I want to I want to give you a last word, give you an opportunity to give a shout out to any folks that you want to let people know how they can find you on social and and feel free to share with us any big projects or something that you're working on that we can look forward to uh, to watching. Oh, reading. yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I definitely. And I guess this can go into the a final question that Mr. Green asked about just being a black woman in sports. I really call my parents for a lot, like for everything. God, of course, just being in this space, all of the doors that I've walked through, it's honestly not because of me. Like, like, honestly, it's not because of me. It's because of where God has placed me in life. Um, and I also coined my parents for instilling that in me. Um, like I said earlier, my dad has taught me how to be confident in rooms where I'm the only black woman. I remember 
story time, sorry. I remember being at Florida State, and of course, I was a sophomore. This was my first time ever covering in like a big team at all. That was the first year that when when Mike Norvell came in, so that was already like y'all have me covering this team and they got a new coach. So I know they're not going to do that well, but you know, so it it was just the whole, uh, it was the pressure of honestly being in a room where I felt like I was the only one, but it was also the feeling of gratitude knowing I was the only one because Mm. it was like, man, like, am I paving the way or can I at least help pave the way, you know, and use that opportunity to network, which in turn opened up so many opportunities for me to help cover FAMU, to meet so many people like Mr. Vaughn on the sidelines, um, to go to my professor, like Professor Jones, Professor Blackburn. And I feel like the whole thing about just being a black woman in sports is it's, it's honestly just taking the opportunity. Sometimes Mm -hmm. my mentors tell me, They're always like, we don't want opportunities to surpass you. We know that you have the talent, but now it's time to network. And that's honestly what it is. Like, you really just have to put your best foot forward. And I've been blessed to not, I guess, be placed in certain positions. Like, I, I just finished an internship this past summer with NASCAR. And, this, you know, the stigma behind NASCAR is something that's negative, but they're really trying their best to diversify the industry. And I saw that through my internship. And even with that, like now I'm three years, four years in this in this game. And I was I walked in and I was like, I'm not going to be nervous. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm just going to be myself, pray about the opportunity and know that this this wasn't for like no reason, pretty much. Um, And then taking that opportunity and skill set of learning how to interact uh, in the office politics, so many other aspects that play into what goes into being a black woman in sports. I use that where I am now. I continue to be myself, take on opportunities, ask so many questions and just not being afraid to like speak up I think that's what it is and sometimes it's disheartening when you see the talk about like black journalists and it's always I feel like for us you all it's the thought process of well let me watch what I say let me watch what I wear let me watch what I do versus if it's like you know (laughs) Mr. Kelvin I see you smile like that that's true though like you know that's the conversation that's around us versus on the other side it's like oh it's fine you know they could wear you could wear whatever you want you can say whatever you want oh you said this it's okay that was controversial okay we'll just let it slide I feel like there's that thought process of having to think always being in your head about things instead like I'm learning to just one listen to my mentors like Tiffany Green she has been such a great asset like I look up to her in so many ways just about how she carries herself just about how she's a a pioneer a monumental figure within this sport and just learning like it's okay to be yourself on a broadcast don't be afraid to add a little outcast pun in there you know Mr. Green you know bring a little outcast flavor to it so so like that's the thing like that's just who I am and I feel like as a black woman sometimes you're like "Mm, should I say that Mm, are they gonna get that but it's okay just be yourself so that's that's what I'll say but yeah definitely uh, I coined my parents and like all of my mentors from Tiffany Green um to Uh, Pam Oliver, uh, who's someone that I'm just now meeting, but has been such a pioneer, even when I didn't know her. Um, 
even just to my family, just for always being my number one supporters and friends and stuff. And I hope that I can carry that along. Uh, like you never forget your family, never forget your friends and things like that. And the people that really helped you along the way. Um, so yeah, I just, I just hope that I bring that along and wherever I go, I'll always remember this moment. So like, I just thank you all as well. Man, I tell you what, Hey, parents, <laughs> parents, dad, mom and dad, yes. mom, dad, mentors, uh, teachers, <laughs> y'all did a good job with this one, boy. I tell hey, you, hey, she must play for the Braves because she hit it out of the park. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> you are look, Maya. We, you guys make sure you guys follow Maya. If you're not, you see, you see the uh, handle there on X or Twitter. Uh, same thing on Instagram. At me, Maya Ellison. Um, Maya, hey, we, we hope we see you at homecoming. Uh, Yay. And, and, and look, we got to have you back on later on in the season as we get closer yes. to that, that SWAC championship celebration bowl time. So uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank um, you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you all so much. Yeah, awesome job. All the best to you and, and everything you're doing. Way to represent FAMU everywhere you go. Uh, man, awesome job. All right. Thank you all so much. All right. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a short break, come back, and talk to our new head bowling coach, Coach Capri Howard, right on the other side. So you guys make sure to hang in there. You're watching ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, Visit us today to take charge of your learning. All 
right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Marcus Green. And it's a pleasure to now be joined by our new head bowling coach, Coach Capri Howard. Coach Howard, how are you doing this evening? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. How are you? We are doing well, doing well, Coach. Hey, um, uh, let me, for those who, who aren't familiar, Coach has been on the yard for, let me see, uh, just over a couple of months now. Um, let's see, your coach is a graduate of Jackson State, uh, where she was a four-time All-SWAC team member, uh, the bowling team from 2017 to 2021. Um, and part of three, you see, your teams were in three SWAC championships. Uh, was in, in, I guess I'm assuming that was the title games, was it not, or the title matches? Yes, those are the championship matches at our conference tournament. Nice, nice. And uh, so then uh, you you went on and you were pursuing, let's see, I'm, I'm just reading right here from off of FamilyAthletics.com. <laughs> uh, you, you went ahead and pursued your passion for bowling and education, pursuing a master's of science in digital media from yes. Valparaiso University up in uh, northern Indiana, very familiar, hometown state, or home state, rather. And uh, and now you're here at FAM. So, yes. uh, welcome to the welcome to to the family, Coach. Uh, what's what's it been like the first couple of months on the job in Tallahassee? Everything's been good. Getting a lot of things done for the girls. Getting a lot of uniforms. You know, getting things set up. Getting ready to uh, start practicing. Um, our season officially starts October first. First team practice is next Monday. First tournament is October thirteenth in New Orleans, the Tulane Invitational. So everything's been going good. Everything's been moving really fast. But I'm ready. We're ready for a great season. So let's talk a little bit about your your background and your uh, your background in bowling. Obviously, mm-hmm. just kind of give us a little background on you know how uh, how much I guess how do you how did bowling come into your life and and how did it uh help you uh in terms of pursuing your degree from jackson state uh Mm -hmm. and the opportunities it provided you so i come from a family full of bowlers my mom's Mm -hmm. side of the family they all bowl so like i grew up in a bowling alley my whole life pretty much my grandmother bowls like at least five leagues at one point it was definitely five leagues my mom she yes said five yes her and my granddad had five leagues they were always there they never miss leagues um, my mom bowls two leagues, so I was always with them, always bowling, and our whole family pretty much bowls in all those leagues. So I've been around bowling since I can remember. I've been bowling pretty much my whole life. So when I got to high school, found that they had a bowling team, of course I wanted to join. And, you know, as time went on, I met my personal trainer that I still work with to this day and is my mentor, Coach Marty Miller. So he's pretty much, he changed my game completely. He changed my whole at, whole outlook of bowling and showed me what I could really do with this game. So from there, I ended up um, meeting my head coach at Jackson State, Coach Boykins, and I was recruited on a full scholarship, and I went to Jackson State 2017, 2021. And after that, it's just the love for the game is there. I'm very passionate about this, and I didn't want to get away from bowling. So, I mean, after college, I tried to um, pursue more pursue my passion in communications, but I just couldn't get away from bowling. So I came back to be a graduate assistant, tried to work on my master's degree, and now I'm here as a head coach, something I've been dreaming of since I was in college. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I, 
tell you that that's amazing. I'm still blown away. Five leagues. I'm yes. I'm like I, I get a headache when I think about five fantasy football leagues. So I, I just <laughs> I, 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 I'm just like five bowling leagues. That that's that's special. Uh, go ahead, Kelvin. So welcome to Fam to you. Thank I know you. it's a lot being a first time coach yes. and coming in when you come in when you came in and so forth. So just talk about. You know, you have all this experience being in the bowling ad and be, as a player, but now you're a head coach of a program and you mentoring, leading other young ladies. So just kind of talk about, you know, things that prepared you for this opportunity. And then how are things going thus far? I think I saw where you had some uh, tryouts or something coming up. Mm-hmm. And then um, how many how many girls are, are on the team mm-hmm. I, I, you know what kind of how the scholarships work just kind of educate us on the whole bowling scene so things have been going pretty good this far um definitely it's i'm fixing a lot of things doing a lot getting a lot of things ready for the girls right now we have six girls um scholarships scholarships are definitely plentiful in bowling they're definitely there full rise are definitely available so yeah scholarships are definitely there i feel like i've been I've been preparing for this position pretty much since I was in high school. Like I've always been in leadership positions as a captain. You know, I've always been the one to speak up and wanting to lead the team. I work hard at this. This is what I love to do. So been in a lot of different pressure situations, understanding how to work through them, you know, failing at some things, but learning from it and coming back and starting over and giving another shot. So training with my coach as well, Coach Miller, he's put me around some of the some of the best bowlers around in my area and in the country, um, working with them, learning from them and just seeing what they're doing and how they're physically working on their game and mentally preparing themselves for every competition. And yeah, so pretty much I feel like I've been preparing for this position from since I can remember. I've always been in a leadership position. I've always been in tough situations, pressure situations and just been knowing how to deal with them, work with them. And now I'm ready to pass that on to the young ladies I have on my team now. How do you feel about having a bowling alley on campus? And is that is that helpful? How, and how do you like uh, how, to, how our bowling alley is set up? Absolutely. It's definitely helpful. I'm very excited to have a bowling alley. Like, they can go bowl anytime they want. That's, that's great. Like, that's the best thing you can ask for. So... The bowling alley is really nice. Gallimore Lanes. It has eight lanes. The house is very nice. We have a billiards room. It's, it's really nice. So the girls, they come in and practice as much as they want. They can practice on their spares. We have a machine where you could just set up specific spares to shoot instead of shooting at a full rack. So And then you could just shoot full racks. You don't have to shoot your spare. So we have a lot of different systems to help the girls practice. Um, we have, we're working on getting a new oil machine. A new oil machine, the lady girls pattern. So Gallimore Lanes is definitely nice, and we're excited. Like that's great. It's definitely give us. We definitely have a facility to get ready for our competitions. Go ahead, Marcus. Well, thank you, Ms. Howard, for joining us this evening. Uh, I have a question, kind of follow up a little bit on what you just spoke on, because mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent familiar. I mean, I'm familiar with the sport of bowling. I can't bowl, but <laughs> in terms of and comparing, you know with other sports, you mentioned that you have scholarships available and could you elaborate on whether those are a head count or equivalency, but also what is it like recruiting for bowling? Cause I know like for football or baseball or other sports, there's like pockets of the U S where you have maybe more developed mm-hmm. 
um, acumen as it relates to a specific sport. Typically, those those sports where the warm the weather's warmer during the season during the majority of the year. So you have football in Florida, California, Texas, baseball, and those same sports. Basketball is kind of growing, but it had its roots. You know, they had pockets in New York, uh, Michigan, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where is that for bowling? Or is there such a thing for bowling, like a hot, a recruiting hotbed for bowling? So I think it's pretty much everywhere, but I know for sure a hot, the Midwest is a hotbed. Okay. Detroit, Chicago, New York. Texas and Orlando is also a hub. So hmm. I would pretty much say a little bit of everywhere, but I know for sure definitely in the Midwest. And oh, East Coast. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I did not realize that. <laughs> All right. And in terms of the scholarships, you mentioned now you mentioned you had a team currently made up of six. Yes. So is there a cap on how many players you can have, or is it more like an equivalency sport where you can split it? Split the scholarship as much as you can to accommodate is, you know, you go as far as the money goes and you would just split scholarships versus headcount. Okay. It is an equivalency sport. We could split scholarships amongst players. So um, I'm able to hold a roster as big as I want, but I prefer to keep it small. So right now I have six and I prefer to, I would like to pick up more, but six is fine. That's comfortable for me. Okay. Oh, well, thank you very much. Let me let me follow up, Coach, on the uh, roster uh, size. How many? Uh, talk a little bit about the returners. Uh, how many new um, uh, student athletes do you have for for this season? So we have no student athletes. Every, no new student athletes. Everyone are returners. Okay. Our returners, they're excited. They have, definitely have a passion for the game, and they definitely want to win. They're ready to work, and they're ready to fight for fight through the uh, conference championships again. So definitely excited to work with these new group of young ladies, and I'm excited to see where they could, where I could take them. Yeah, that, that's that's good to hear because obviously this is a a squad that uh, I believe finished third in the SWAC tournament, yes. um, and, and we saw them really make some good strides last year. Now, obviously, your experience in the conference, you, you've been mm-hmm. there at the at the at the top. You know what it takes to get there. What is it that separates? you know, the successful teams, you know, from the others? What, what is it? Is there a, a formula? Is there something that you've seen not only as a, as, as a student athlete at Jackson state, but maybe just those other teams that are at the top, what is it that separates? I would definitely say controlling the pocket and closing frames. As long as you can get to the pocket and close your frames and pick up what you leave and be and stay consistent and keep fighting to the end. You have a good shot. I believe now, does that come through, what, just practice and reps? Explain that for, for those of us who are sort of novices. Like, like you just said something there, Coach, and I'm like, all I know is if I bowl three strikes, I get a turkey. And I know I got to keep that, you know, so a lot of novices out here. So, so break, break that down hey, for hey, us. Hey, Coach, Coach, before you answer that, I'm, I'm going to make you get a little more technical. Okay. So while you're talking about that, you can go explain them about oil patterns and uh, also – uh, Baker's matches versus, you know, uh, Robin Please. or whatever they call it. So kind of talk about just the bowling one-on-one in, in collegiate tournaments. So when I say controlling the pocket, I mean constantly getting to the one-three. Getting to the pocket, constantly hitting your target and having a consistent shot. Closing frames, I mean picking up your spare. So you hit the pocket, leave a spare, closing the frame, consistently picking up what you leave. Um, Baker matches. So Baker matches consist of you need five girls. 
So everyone gets one frame. So your first bowl bowls the first frame, second one gets the second, fifth bowl gets the fifth frame, and the fifth bowl gets the tenth frame as well. So everyone bowls two frames, and the fifth bowler gets the tenth frame, so they get extra shots. Um, also, lane patterns. So there's different lane patterns every tournament. It's not a house shot, so it's definitely it varies depending on you have short patterns, you have long patterns, and each pattern has to be played on differently. And that means standing in different places, different targets, different throwing a different ball. For some people, even just going about it like your approach differently. So lane patterns are pretty tricky. You have some short lane patterns, long ones. There's plenty of NCAA lane patterns out there that you bowl on. And um, so we also do team matches too. So the team matches. So Friday is usually Baker. And then Saturday, we bowl individual games. So that's when everyone gets their own game. So that's still total pins, and we're collecting total pins for our score throughout the tournament. But that also gives the girls a, a chance for individual awards. So college bowling tournaments are three days. So start Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's a long weekend. It's a lot of bowling, but it's a fight to the end. And I love it. <laughs> Definitely so coach, let me, let me ask a follow-up. When yes. you have the team competitions – do they do like in track where you know like in cross country the the lowest and the highest uh i mean whether the two lowest are thrown out or do they count all six what's the minimum that they count towards uh the team scores so bracket play usually starts on sunday so that's when you may bowl like the number one seed may bowl the last seed or you know it varies depending on the tournament but that usually happens on sunday Friday and Saturday is usually total pins. So that's when you bowl Baker matches on Friday. So you bowl five sets of five Baker matches. So you bowl one set against the team and you bowl five Baker matches. You move on to your next match. You bowl another team, another five, another set of five Baker matches. So you do five of those on Friday. And then Saturday, you bowl five individual games. And that's all for total pins. So once we get our total pins, then we start the seeding for Sunday. And that's when we start bracket play. So elimination more so comes in um, championship time. So on that Saturday, so Friday is usually total pins where you bowl the individual games. And then Saturday is when you do Baker frames. And as, the, as time goes on from total pins, as matches goes on, if you lose twice, then you're eliminated. Very good. You did a great job of explaining it to <laughs> us laymen. Yeah. I, I saw Brian's eyes getting glossy there. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know my eyes too. Look, it, it, it's I, I say that and I, and I appreciate that because one of the things that I found very frustrating is when we were watching, and I'm I'm gonna take everybody back to watching the SWAC tournament back mm -hmm. in the spring, trying to understand what was going on. And yes, mm -hmm. it was great that it was on video, but mm -hmm. there was no commentary. Which I feel like in bowling, not only are there great stories for all these student athletes, right? Everybody has a story. It'd be good to get to know them. But just the intricacies of the sport deserve some airtime. And so I hope, you know, through some kind of magic or some kind of way that we can get some, when it, when it gets time to swag tournament play, that you know, folks can really be educated. And, that, and that's why I'm glad you said what you said. And, and I'm, we're going to cut it up and be able to play it again. Because I think it's real important for people yeah. to have an understanding so that way they can really follow. You know, a lot of us grow up yeah. on certain sports, you know, but mm -hmm. unless you're like yourself, you grew up in it. You grew up yeah. in bowling. So you learn the different patterns. And then you go play high school bowling and, and college, collegiate 
but for a lot of people, they don't get that opportunity. So um, we, you know, a lot of us enjoy the sport, but in terms of the, the intricacies of it that you broke down, uh, that that's big time. And, and it's very, and that's why I was, I'm, I'm very eager to kind of learn more about it. And I hope, I know a lot of uh, Rattlers who are, who are watching uh, sure will as well. Uh, let me show, let me share the uh, schedule. Cause I got it up here on the screen here. So that way we can, uh, we, people can see it. I'm going to just show the, uh, the uh, message right there from off of the uh, uh, right, right there from off of the uh, FAMU athletics Twitter feed. Uh, the first match or the first classic is in October in new Orleans. You kind of mentioned that. And then, uh, you know, the, it's interesting. The season goes from October all the way into March. Yeah, um, and and I see there you got it. You got a trip back home to Jackson. Uh, what's that? What's that going to be like going back home? Oh, that's going to be exciting. I've it's been to Jackson with, with, with orange and green on. <laughs> I've been to Jackson since my um first homecoming as an alumni in 2021. So I'll be excited to be back. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and uh, now do are are a lot of these tournaments against other. HBCUs, or you'll get a good mix of other collegiate uh, conferences. What we say the the PWIs or or, or uh, historically white colleges and institutions. So pretty much all of them are a good mix of PWIs and HBCUs. Besides our SWAC West Roundup, SWAC East Roundup, of course, those are SWAC play tournaments and the TNBA HBCU Invitational. But other than that, pretty much all of them are a good mix of PWIs and HBCUs. Okay. I'm gonna have to I see you. You guys are gonna be right here in my backyard of Orlando. I'm gonna have to. I gotta see what weekend that is and see if I'm if I'm in Orlando. Uh, might have to try to find a way to come come it's catch the a uh, the 29th. yeah the 27th through the 29th. So that's right there in Orlando. So I'm about to try my best to see what I can see what I can do to catch that. Um, all right. Well, hey, uh, Coach, I want to give you the last word. want to give you, you know, opportunity to shout out anybody, uh, let people know how they can follow. More importantly, how can they support your program? What do you what do you need from Rattler Nation? I, need, I know you're probably still trying to figure it all out, but, <laughs> but, let, but let people know how they can support and follow the program. So we will be live streaming our tournament. So please follow us on FAMU Women's Bowling, and we'll be live streaming our tournaments. Our home tournament will be coming back to Tallahassee or near Tallahassee soon next year. So be on the lookout for that so you could come to our home tournament and see us in action. Nice, nice. And and, and when they come, a little suggestion here. So, and I know I know uh, our uh, sports information, uh, VP of Communications, uh, Josh Padilla, I know, he, I know he might be listening or watching. Hey, when they do those video segments, do some tutorials. Let's do some like little mini tutorials, mini bowling tutorials. I think those would go over big time. I, I mm -hmm. think other than just hearing, you know, the banter between the players, give us give us some tutorials. I think you're in one of those sports. It's a great opportunity to, to kind of educate people. And I think once you kind of educate us, man, I tell you, folks will be behind it uh, tenfold. So. Just a, just a suggestion, you know. Definitely. I remember that. We'll work All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Coach, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, uh, Coach. Yeah, appreciate you. Uh, good luck to the, at the start of the season, and we'll be following along. So, uh, you know, anytime you have some news that you want to share, please feel free to, to let us know, and uh, 
we'll, we'll try to we'll, we'll definitely get that shared and maybe even have you back or one of the student athletes on the team as well okay absolutely thank you for having me yes ma'am all right thank you coach take care now Good night. all right that's uh again coach uh coach capri howard joining us uh time to hit up another break uh so we'll take that short break come back i think we got coach riz that'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour if not, we can get in. The, we got plenty of notes that we can talk about. Um, uh, some some comments and some things. A lot of stuff at the two twenty club today. Boy, I tell you what, woo! I, hey, I tell you what, I thought I saw a little bit of sweat on the forehead of Ad Sykes. Now she won't she won't admit it because she's cool under pressure. She'll probably say, "Nope, I wasn't sweating." I don't know, boy. They were throwing heat. They were throwing heat <laughs> questions today. But uh, she handled. She's a pro, so we're, we're gonna find out. Uh, we're gonna talk about all the all the good commentary and and all the stuff that came out from the two twenty club today, and then uh, get into some other stuff here in a moment. So uh, hang in there with us, and we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Ryan, Kelvin, Marcus, Marcus. Um, well, we uh, will be coming back here with Coach Riz. Should be joining us here shortly. 
thought we'd uh, get into a couple of news nuggets that I saw. Um, let me see. First off, I gotta we gotta bring this up. Hopefully, you guys saw the announcement today. Uh, two of the first invitations for the 2024 HBCU Legacy Bowl. That's pretty much the the uh, the senior HBCU All-Star Bowl slash Combine uh, included these two guys, probably the top two quarterbacks mm-hmm. in HBCU football right now. Ain't, uh, ain't probably. They're the top two and the top two teams. And the t- two most likely to go to the Celebration Bowl. So, so yeah, makes well, sense. I, there, there might be well, little, put it like well, I'm, I'm trying to think. Seniors, well, hold on, there, I, I had to clarify because I, seniors. This is a senior invitation kind of thing. So yes, among seniors, final year eligibility guys, these two guys are it. Uh, they're the best but, period. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms right of, now, look at the swag. From a stat yeah. standpoint, they're the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look. I okay. <laughs> The only people I would say there's a young man on the and look don't poo poo it now. There's a young man on the Division two level in the SIC at Allen Absolutely. University who's doing the damn thing. Uh, and, but I but he's definitely I'm a senior, so that's why when I started it, I kind of caught myself and said, "Oh wait a minute, he's not a senior." And, I, and I'm talking uh, uh, Mr. Wright over at Allen University. I can't, first name David Wright, I think is his name, uh, first name. But but yeah, he he's having a heck of a Heck of a year, but uh, yeah, no doubt these two. So, obviously, as more invitations go out, um, you know, to, to to guys over the course of the season, uh, and th- there were some changes that were going to be made to the uh, Legacy Bowl. Do you guys recall any of those changes? I know they were maybe going to change the, and it had to do with the All State sponsorship. So, I just, I mean, we'll, we can maybe touch on it another time. Yeah, we have to come back to that one. Yeah, we'll come we'll come back to that one. Um all right, so let's kind of go through just a few of the talking points from today's 220 club, which um obviously a lot of stuff came out of that. And and those of you who aren't familiar with the 220 club, uh it, they have a weekly luncheon on Wednesdays. Um that uh if you're following on social or a matter of fact, if you're on YouTube, uh, if you search for uh, Eddie Jackson, Eddie Jackson is the, uh, the the chair president, I believe, of the 220 Club. Uh, a great storyteller, you know, comedy show, always some always entertaining uh, time watching uh, watching this uh, 220 Club, and so they will constantly have members from the athletic department, uh, especially Coach Simmons is there. It seems like every Wednesday uh, they'll have the uh, the AD will pop in and out every now and then. Uh, sometimes you'll see a Dr. Robinson sighting. Um, uh, other 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 what are you laughing for? It uh, there'll be other sightings as well. Uh, other coaches will come in, and so it's it's a great fundraising organization group. Um, what's their membership, Kelvin? Uh, please don't tell me it's just two hundred and twenty people. No, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to, you know, it's, 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 uh, honestly, it's like some people like to play bridge. 
some of the season folks. Uh huh. Oh, in the back, so in the back, it, of the it's their weekly. Yeah, it, it's their weekly meetup. You know, and um, very cool. very long time. You got former administrators, uh, pillars of the community, uh, folks who worked on campus. You know, and um, long time supporters. You know those those folks do a lot for the program. But uh, I would say in terms of attendance, um, it's probably about six of them that are there a week. Now, and, and, but, but there, then there's those that are paying that can attend too. Mm -hmm. and, and what I think is interesting is these folks get information, obviously, from the people. You know, they'll have the booster president come in and he'll give the athletic update. So th these folks, I don't know that all of them are on social media seven days a week like us you know we, we we are following stuff all the time and a lot of you are watching our show you are following information all the time a lot of these folks probably aren't so this is i'm not trying to say anything i'm just saying oh i know but it's true i mean it's there's a digital divide by demographic like my father, my father, if he were if, if he were living and he lives in Atlanta, but if there was a, a Norfolk State 220 type club, he might go. I mean, but and it'd be around people, his peers and, you know, his age group. And my dad is not on social media. Heck, we, I'm, he's like X. What is X? I, I don't want to get you. <laughs> what the hell is X? I mean, neither is mine. Exactly. So <laughs> that's just how it is. So they're they not keeping up with things going on like us. Okay, so they get their information from the people right there. They get it from the AD straight from the horse's mouth. They get it right there from the president. They get it from the boosters. They get it from whomever else is there. So that's the unique thing about these weekly get-togethers. Get um, and I love the fact that you used to just hear about him. Now it's it's kind of great that – that uh, probably with they're the embracing Vaughn. technology. Yeah, yeah they, they, is, they, yeah, they got Vaughn on the on the on the job, and then um, the boosters are doing some some something similar with Keith. So they they realize their value in having that having a media to present what you know what's going on. So yeah, I think that's a good uh, thing. Sam says what twenty dollars gets you in every Wednesday. Is that what it is? That's not a bad deal. That is not bad. That's probably a nice little fundraising too. Every Every I I would pay twenty I would do that he'd probably get a good good meal too man shoot I'm looking for a spot y'all someone know a spot where someone in their forties can go and do anyway um so look they uh some of some of the talking points that came up obviously uh Dr Robinson recognized as the uh, most valuable president uh, a plaque that they awarded him um and, and then I. <laughs> I, I gotta be. I'm gonna be nice. I I, I was curious about how I was gonna do this. Uh, had had uh, Dr. Robinson was recognized by uh, the FAMU Athletic Sports Hall of Fame committee chairman Marvin Green. Now you know Marvin and the and the committee had a which includes Alvin Hollins. They had a great weekend celebrating the Hall of Fame class of 2023. Uh, they came to the uh to the 220 club with the and I, and I wish I would have clipped what the saying was but they came with a pro I'm gonna call it a proclamation or more so a, a recommendation a nomination that dr Robinson be included into the class of 20 
24. Uh, now, a lot of things that were mentioned were uh, uh, his uh, his uh, his getting FAMU out of last last year's situation and last year's mess, hiring an athletic director and hiring the compliance people and and doing some of the things that uh, that have that have uh, occurred over the last uh, several months. Uh, so, uh, to my okay, so. To what it was, it was brought to my attention that every, well, maybe with the exception of one, I think is what I was told. Every president at Florida A and M University has been or is a member of the uh, FAMU Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, So, uh, and and some of them, as it was even said to me, have done a lot less than Dr. Robinson. You know, we, we talk about things that sometimes he hasn't done. Well, there are people who have done absolutely nothing for athletics. I'm not going to call any names. Y'all know who they are. So what he has done, you know, obviously in celebrating the accomplishments most recently uh, of FAMU being a, a top 100 Institution. Spending too much time on this. I am. I am. But anyway, <laughs> more time than it deserves. It's more time. Look, I, th- this was me being nice because I was gonna give somebody the belt, but I'm not. I'm just gonna move on. So that's me saying, congratulations. Anything you want to add, or can we officially move on? No, keep it moving. Okay, Doc, uh, Willie Simmons came and spoke as well at the 220 Club. And so uh, I think uh, if you've heard Coach talk at the – anywhere recently over the past few days, he, he didn't say anything new. Uh, did you catch any anything on the injury front that he may have shared? Yeah, about the offensive line. You mentioned yeah. that Which, we started off with, what, 19? We talked about 19, 20 offensive linemen. And right now we're, we're, we're kind of down to 12. And, you know, I I, I started off as a tackle. Both of them been in and out, but I think one of them really hadn't hardly played any downs. Uh, I'm talking about um, cool. uh, Goss. Okay, uh, and so so we've got some injuries up front, but we got some depth, and it's – and we're going we're gonna to see. And I think that's part of what he, he attributed part of our – issues with running the ball with, you know, the changing lineups at, at the offensive line and so mm-hmm. forth and getting them to play as one unit. It's kind of tough. You don't have the same lineup from game to game, not not even the same lineup within a game. You know, you know, he talked about we had a lot of guys to go down. He, he even, even Dixon went down this game and probably won't make the Valley trip. But we did get – um the guy he replaced back. So um, you know, we luckily we we have depth, we have experience, and um, you know, we but we've we've played four tough games, very physical. He also talked about that. All right. Um okay. And then uh VP Sykes made an appearance. Now uh, obviously, uh, she she was not available last Wednesday, uh, so this was her first uh, meeting before the 220 Club. Obviously, with a <clears throat> with a couple of home games under her belt. 
Okay. Did you I, say belt? I look. I just wanted to see how long. <laughs> I, I just wanted to unattended. I just wanted to see how long that was going to sit there, and before somebody jumped on the opportunity. Oh no! I, I ain't gonna let you throw that softball and not hit it. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, she she did come on uh, up, and so one of the first things she did mention, uh, obviously, those of you, hopefully, you guys caught that. Um, just the other day, our men and women's basketball team started started their season, started their practices. Oh yes, yeah, some great visuals. Speaking of, speaking of which, I was trying to—I don't know if the roster has been updated, but I saw different numbers that weren't listed there. I was trying to put names of faces. Yeah, I got to ask uh, Josh about the, the practice jerseys are completely different than player numbers. So I and and who knows if they even care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to, it's hard to kind of figure out who's who when you don't really know the players. And so when we see the pictures and we see, you know, like for example, I'll, I'll show you one. I didn't get them all loaded up, but you know, here's a young lady right here. Uh, I think I, that's Sydney Hendricks, our freshman signee. Okay. Okay. I was trying, and I was trying to guess at the pictures, but I think I saw her. I think I saw a couple of our transfers. I think no, I don't know if you have all the pictures. I think number thirty is Olivia Delancey. I think number twenty-three, who is in the video, I think that's um, gosh, I can't remember her name, but she came from Middle Tennessee State. She transferred in, and there's another young lady, number three, that I don't recognize either as a returnee or a transfer. So I don't know if she's a late transfer or a walk-on. Now that's Ariana Grizzle. She's returning from last year. Okay, that's and I think that's um, Sydney Hendricks from Michigan. And I'm just trying to match up names or faces from images on that. I don't know. That looks like um, Alia Ellis, but the jersey number is different. She was number 44 last year, so I don't know if that's her or not. But it kind of looks like her, but I'm not sure. And the number three I was talking about was the one that's standing next to her in that previous picture. Mm-hmm. Number zero, uh, she's a returning from last year. I think she came in from Daytona State. Uh, uh, Perona, I can't remember. starts with the P. I have to look at the roster. I have to pull it up. Yeah. But um, I was trying to put names of faces, but there's some returnees that pop up, and then there's some new faces, and I'm trying to match up the new faces with their images on their social media to kind of figure out who's who. But the one that threw me off was at number 31. It looks like Aliyah Ellis, who's like, a, I think, a junior. She's from Texas, but her number was 44 listed on the roster. And then there's a couple other numbers that aren't listed, so I was trying to match them all up. Yeah, and, and then the men also had – they started their season, uh, started practicing as well. So pretty much uh, the other day was the first day for uh, all across the country for men and women's college basketball to start. Um, so, uh, the, if you're following FAMU athletics, actually we, we, I kind of took the, the, the multitude of photos that were available on uh, Instagram, uh, which there are more photos on Instagram and just kind of made a, a photo collage of those photos, but there's just some of the photos there, uh, coach McCullum out there getting some, getting some, uh, practice rep in. <laughs> with the guys. Um, so good stuff there. Make sure you're following at FAMU Athletics. And then that way you can see some of those images. But 
the talking point that came out of that, of course, we're all familiar with FAMU men playing that home game on November 20th against Oregon, uh, a return for us traveling to Oregon last year. That's all part of that SWAC Pac-12 partnership. Well, it was announced that the women who traveled to California and played the University of California last year, California is coming to Lawson this year. And so we'll have a Pac-12 versus FAMU doubleheader on November 20th in the Lawson Center. So FAMU women versus Cal, and then the FAMU men will take on Oregon. So I thought that was a great opportunity. So more incentive for us to build, I mean, we got to have five to 6,000. I mean, we got a 10,000-seat arena. We got to have five to six there, do we not, fellas? Going to have to work it, though, man. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more than just saying we got to have that, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, what the season ticket package is going to look like and the pricing of that. And then how much effort and and um advertisement and, and, and everything that's going to go marketing is going to go into it over the next three, four weeks. Um, because you got to start that early because that will be going into that'll be after the Florida Classic. Yes, that's going into Thanksgiving. So I, I love the idea. I just hope that we price it right and that we, you know, we I hope we're looking for volume, meaning that we're trying to get butts in seats and not trying to make a huge profit off that thing because I, I don't know how successful we'll be given the time frame and everything if we price it too high. And and look, that's also Thanksgiving week. Uh, I know, like, I'm off that whole week of school. Hopefully we don't have any kind of hurricanes or nothing that caused me to have to come to school. But, like, I'm thinking, man, I could actually make it to Tallahassee uh, because I don't have school that week. And and I'm, there may be other schools in Tallahassee that have similar calendars. It'd be great to reach out to our community through these schools, through these basketball programs, the men, the high school boys and girls programs around Tallahassee. Come to the Lawson Center, November 20th. I mean, this should be a big deal. This should be – so, I like you said – Kelvin, it's going to be a tough job for our marketing team. But you know what? I would even go so far as to say, you know what I would do? I would look to, I would go reach out to uh, Dr. Friday Stroud and say, hey, you have some some interns or some some students, not interns, but students, marketing students. We need their help. Help, you know, marketing and promoting this opening season game. Some ideas because our staff is sort of stretched. Yeah, focused on football. Yeah, well, I mean, but you, you can't really say that. But, yeah, you're right. That's what they're focused on, majority. But it'd be nice to be able to get some help. So I don't know where you can get that, but they need to get it. Yeah? All right. So uh, that was announced. Stay, be looking out for tickets to that. If you haven't, uh, I don't think they've started selling any tickets yet for basketball games. Um, I do know, although we haven't seen the women's schedule come out i did a quick little search and uh let me see if my search pops back up the way it did earlier um 
because I went to the women's schedule and just by the nature of other teams, yeah. Here are some of the teams that FAMU has on the schedule or that we are playing this year, FAMU's women. Obviously, Tennessee, traveling to Tennessee on November 7th. On November 9th, they will travel over to Middle Tennessee. December 3rd, they're traveling in Houston. They're playing Houston, the Houston Cougars. December 21st, they're traveling to Detroit, taking on Detroit Mercy. And then the next day, they play Michigan on uh, December 22nd. December 29th, they're in Jacksonville taking on North Florida. So right now, those are one, two, three, four, five, six uh, games, all road, non-conference, that we know about just by the nature of the other teams posting their schedule. So uh, we're still waiting on FAMU uh, athletics to release the the rest of the women's schedule. Uh, but the men have, I believe, three home games, inc- including the Oregon game. Uh, just want to drop that. Okay. If you saw the story from Rattler Blog Nation or uh, Rattler, uh, Rattler Nation blog spot, the, they made mention of the fact that homecoming tickets are practically not uh, – they are sold out. Not Well, according to Ticketmaster, they're sold out. They are no longer available on Ticketmaster. And so AD, uh, VP Sykes said at the 220 Club today that only a handful of tickets – she was very emphatic about the word handful – are available for homecoming. And she said those actual seats are reserved and premium seating seats. What sections are those, Kelvin? What, where are the reserved and premium seating? What, what session Session D, I think it is, that has the chairbacks. Okay. Midfield um, on the press box side. side. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so uh, she said uh, that you had to buy those. You had to get to the FAMU ticket office to purchase those tickets. All right. So um, I, I saw somewhere that tickets on the secondary market are already selling. I saw someone say in a ballpark of $200 already on the secondary market. So, you know, I guess those of you who have multiple tickets from your investing in champions package, uh, you might be able to make a few bucks. Sounds like. Um. Yes, sweet. Uh, yes, she she was there today. She was there. Yes, she was. Um, okay, some other interesting notes from the appearance. In mentioning about the north end zone, she she kind of had to answer some questions from folks about the north end zone and and the gate on the north end zone. Uh, she did remind or let people know that that area is managed by the University Foundation. Uh, Dr. Friday Stroud. Uh, She said athletics does receive a profit, but they don't manage any of the logistics with that area. And they, the North End Zone, didn't open that gate until 45 minutes before the first game, which sort of helped create issues along with all the other stuff. Um, They did change it to an hour before kickoff for 
last Saturday, this past Saturday. Now, all of the other gates are open two hours. But apparently that north end zone gate is the one that right now they're only opening an hour. So any anything you want to add in there, Kelvin or Marcus? Well, I have a question. Why is the north end zone managed by um, the foundation? So I, we just we just we just we'll, we'll turn to hold on. Let me turn the other way. We'll turn to Kelvin and say, Kelvin. So I project mm-hmm. the reason for this. Foundation has funds available to invest up front for the setup and they secure some of the sponsorships like the drink sponsorship and and um supplement staff and so forth i believe that was the easier way of doing it so you know i talked about last week in in part of my rant about different people got different parts of it but uh, and uh, you know athletic has had it before the foundation has had it i think for the last five six years at least now but uh i, I think it just they have more flexibility with the foundation and they have uh funds available in the foundation um it's a double-edged sword in my opinion but you know that's kind of the gist of it uh here's a question from b stark and as far as opening an hour hey and as far as opening an hour early i mean the gates previous game i don't think we're open two hours early uh but you know essentially i i get it why why if i'm the foundation why i wouldn't open that early first of all you got to staff it that's more money then it's food and drinks there and that's more money and you don't you don't want to get folks started too early and so forth and run out when when everybody get there so it, it, it it's it's a science to to doing things like that. And so I, I think it's a kind of smart idea not to open it no more than an hour before. Uh, B Starks asks, why do people camp out at the North end zone? People do not go to their seats and let others sit. Cause they and- can. Yeah. Cause it's food and drinks there. <laughs> I, is there not enough seating for every? No, all those folks have tickets. All those folks have seats. That they can right. go to, but you can't take. But your you know, then you know, then you know. Some some folks like us, we go because we love rally football. We there to cheer and and we like the game day atmosphere. And we want to coach up in the press box and and uh, in the stands and stuff. Then some there there's there's a segment of folks who like to wine and dine and just be in the atmosphere and be seen. So that caters. Though that caters to that crowd as well as you know, some folks don't want to go up and down those uh stands and so forth, even though they're more 88 friendly now. So, you know, you, you got a lot of senior folks, you know, they go to eating and drinking, you know, the itis, the itis kick in, man. They got that itis, <laughs> and 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 I don't know what kind of drinks, adult beverages they have, though, you know, as a one, one, two of those. They, you know, they got to take a nap. So, <laughs> mm. uh, all right. Um, 
let's uh let's let's move forward to another talking point there. Okay, so we we showed you the pictures last week, and I'm gonna see if we still have them. I think we do. Okay, we showed you the pictures, the the controversial uh, area that was uh, that folks weren't permitted to tailgate at. Okay, uh, so Ad Sykes did explain or gave a little more explanation, I should say, as to why that area. Now, to my knowledge, this is the first time, this is breaking news when this happened at the 220 Club. It might have been the first time that this was publicly told. It might have been the first time that people, like our good friend, uh, Mr. Hankerson, was actually informed of the why. Uh, So, according to A.D. Sykes, uh, VP Sykes, she said that the senior leadership team did a site visit in early August. Uh, we remember that one, Kelvin, right? We, we heard about that, that senior, that, that visit where they did a tour around. And so uh, now you tell me if this organization is correct, Kelvin, because it seemed like she was a little unsure. The University Property Planning and Construction, is that a is that the name of the group or – Basically, you know she she sounded like she was trying to put it on facilities planning and construction. Okay, maybe that's the name of it officially. Yeah, they said that. Uh, so according to her, she said they had determined that since the road at the bottom of the grass hill had been created, it was no longer safe for tailgate. So if you see on the hill, there is a road. Uh, like, let me see if you can see it. You can't really see it because we're where this photo was taken. We're in the area, but but if you if you look right above the crest of the hill where the cars are, there is a road. That road leads. I mean, it's a drive. I mean, it's a driveway. It's not really a road. And it it, it was there last year. It was there twenty years ago. Well, <laughs> and that's what that's what was sort of interesting. I don't know if it's because it was paved. Was it paved better? Yes, it, it was paved. Was it paid? Was it paid? It's, 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 it's pretty much that's the one area of the uh, parking lot that really didn't change significantly. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Um, now, Other than getting repaved, that's pretty much all it, that was done with that uh, strip. Yeah. So so apparently that's the group that said this area was safe. Now, when that came out, I, I, I my immediate thought and others who were watching were like. So that area, because we, too, thought that there had been a road or at least some paved strip of land there before, (laughs) that you mean to say that now, all of a sudden, this area is unsafe, although people have been tailgating. So let me let me let you you know, I call it like I see it. So the only thing different right now was that the parking garage has been there. The new Pogan Horn has been there. You know, that driveway has always been there. You came into the stadium if you were coming off Perry Street through the Pokenhorn way. The only thing was they added a – they extended the driveway from the parking garage to the stadium. That's the only difference. They put a retention pond up there for, for stormwater drain off, runoff. So the area up there where the stormwater runoff is is not available for tailgating because that, that's there. I believe – 
there was a loss in translation of communication between the different leadership groups and they yes. didn't visually see what they were talking about and i think they might have been talking about one side of the hill and then the, the lower level where some parts were removed and 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 it got kind of the communication when they weren't on the same page there's and the therefore uh, there, there, there's the road right a, there. a decision uh, uh 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 not only was it lack a lack of communication but a decision was made that you can't really defend right there, there there's no it's just grass <laughs> there's no safety issue there at well, that particular I, location of the hill there's no safety issue I, I at mean, the end of the day so who, don't who, that's what i that, you know remember in my rant i said don't just say anything to people because we, we ain't buying it. We ain't now, buying it. Now that she's, <laughs> she's put that department on blast, I guess someone should follow up with the with the the head the head of that department. Uh, you know, property planning and construction, which I don't think that's the real name of it. But anyway, whoever you 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 know whoever's in charge of that, maybe they should. Well, it's, well, perhaps, perhaps they. They might have been a part of the folks to tailgate on that hill. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, who knows? I do. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so, uh, so, so that's what I'm saying, man. It, 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 tell the truth. And own so, it. Don't put it, yeah. on, don't put it on nobody else. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. I know uh, people told them not to make that decision. Well. Some some been, been nice if someone would have listened to everybody, but anyway, I'm just I'm just sharing information. So yeah, that's all I'm doing. Uh, so of course she did make sure to note that uh, she did admit that uh, the communication could have that everyone could have done a better job of commuting uh, communicating, uh, and that they did create the patty foot space for free for people to reserve. Now she did say just, just for that game. Exactly. Because she did say going forward, homecoming and the last home game that they are going to be charging. They're going to release some pricing, which she says will be comparative uh, competitive, excuse me, to other tailgate areas within other at other schools in the SWAC and within the state of Florida. So that's what, uh, that's what's coming. So, uh, be ready. Be ready for that. Um, okay. She also addressed the issue of the security team. Now, she didn't mention them by name. She mentioned the security company, Rhino Security. Um, and that she said that they were paid to provide security and one people. Uh, she, she said they were paid well over six figures. Uh, there was that part caught my attention. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there, there was a contract which uh, began in August of 2021 that goes through 2024. And in that contract, she says it's to provide 110. She was real specific about these numbers, 110 to 120 people. OK, um, now she was not notified that uh, they would not have enough people. And that she didn't actually find out that these long lines were happening until about mid-first quarter. And so once that became, uh, once she was made aware of that, that's when, in her words, she says she dispatched every available intern, uh, 
uh, ROTC, anyone she can find, which kind of goes to, if you go back to images that we had, you know, this line right here was taken at, uh, what time were we up there? We were up there about, about 5.30. Yeah, we 5:30, were up there about 5.30. Right so these photos of the long lines were there, you know, and they were still there when kickoff occurred. We noted that. And those of you who were a part of it, and we're sorry to bring up the uh, the tragic memory of that. Um, so that was that was discussed. Now she did say when she had her meeting the following day or following Monday, last Monday would have been that she was told that only fifty five people showed up from that company, fifty five of the one hundred and ten that were supposed to be there. Uh, she says she enlisted the ROTC, paying them another ten thousand dollars. Uh, per week to make sure that they have a contingency plan in the future. So there's an upcoming meeting that she will be having with Rhino Security um, regarding that. Kelvin, uh, thoughts, comments? I am a licensed security person Have a, in the state of Florida. In the state of Florida, you have to have a license to be. Uh, <laughs> and, I've, and I've ran, of course, gain operations as administrator as well as uh, – as a security personnel in, in every, every stadium in the South, pretty much. And in every kind of event, what I would tell you in this market specifically that staffing shortage on game day is real. You're dealing with a lot of students, a lot of temp type folks, and you know, they may or may not show up on game day. Hmm. I would tell you as someone who for the last three years up until this year, uh was across them tracks on game day i don't remember a game that we we reached the number that was supposed to be there and that's what send that's what bringing people in from on buses from other cities atlanta tampa even oxford mississippi and wow. still don't hit those numbers so wow so that's a real thing mm. okay uh that's uh that's interesting that's interesting in this uh, market it's very real <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. a lot of planning that goes into that i'm sure yeah um uh, be a lot of job opportunities for students though i mean or do you want students to handle that job do you i mean in terms of like your in terms of i mean students hiring. are no better and then they're not trained and certified why would you put students in the line of fire to deal with some of our fans, especially our season saints, man. You know the kind of venom they spitting on game day, man. <laughs> they make them go kids go hide, man. That's a horrible idea. That's a I, horrible idea. I, I you, mean, you, I, you, you get professionals, you and you pay them. Now, now the amount that she mentioned, I'm going to assume is not just football. I'm assuming that includes basketball and whatever other sports they cover, and I know it includes parking as well as securing parking lots, as well as security. But that six figures, it, it did make my kind of make me stand up there because that's Mark a big a, number if it's oh, just yeah. football. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting number. Interesting number. Um, okay, another bullet point from out of her conversation uh, or the meeting with the 220 Club. And we had this sort of side conversation about the marching hundred and road games. Um, so 
the marching 100, she thinks, and this isn't confirmed, I guess we'd have to get it from Dr. Shipman, thinks that they are going to Texas Southern. Uh, but unfortunately will not be going to Southern University. Of course, the next three road trips for FAMU, uh, obviously this weekend, Mississippi Valley, next weekend at Southern, and then two weeks after that, they travel to Houston to take on Texas Southern. So the band is not going to Southern, um, and we don't know. I mean, that, there's a, that's, a, that's a larger discussion for maybe another time about band traveling. I was trying to get someone on to talk about that. So maybe if we can, if I can get that guest, we can have that discussion about the band traveling uh, to road games. But uh, yes, it, it, it'd be, it'd be nice. We've been, we we're working. Wait, wait a minute, uh, Brian, let me just say this. We didn't travel to Tampa. <laughs> so, and and that's with them chipping in if the band did travel. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I know they have some some tradition about if a band don't come or return a trip, then they don't go, and there's, there's a gentleman's agreement. But well, even if we, we don't fund it, it right now, we don't fund, fund it where we can travel to every game anyway. So uh, I know that Texas Southern game because I, I brought my tickets uh, about a week ago. It's, it's close to a sellout. It's in a um, it's in a we haven't been in our market in a while. Even though the band was there the last two years with the battle of the bands, they were in that market. But um, yes, exactly. That's so not- so I thought they were going to the last. I, I thought it was going to Alabama A and M, uh, and not Texas Southern. But maybe there's there's more. Uh, Look, the, the whole tip for tat there, there. of you come to us, we can look. Southern had a band member die last year. I believe he died. I hate to say it on the weekend or the beginning of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they, they, not, they had a. They yeah. had a. I think they were scheduled to come to Tallahassee. Well, but when he Brian, had, Brian, I, real quick, and then I'm I, I be quiet. Our band traveled to support our team, and. And, and to build a spirit with our fan base, I, I I just don't buy into that whole mentality. They got to return a trip. I don't give a damn if another band ever come to brag. Now it's nice when they do come. I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of us traveling, whenever our band do travel, is is about our team and our fans. But they're not traveling, Kelvin. That's the point I'm getting at. They're not well, traveling. I, I they got tra- you. I got you. To Tampa. They're not traveling to Mississippi Valley. They're not traveling to Southern. Uh, where else are they not traveling to? That I mean, that that's all I'm. That's all I'm saying is that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. They, they 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 made a good point. That was Grambling where the guy died. Oh, okay, uh, okay. So, Southern just it was a fun. It was a fun funds. They had to make a business decision too, just like we do. You know, they they had went to the boom box and, and they had been traveling a lot, so they had to miss a game and they chose that one. But but you know, I we, we talk about traveling a lot. Our football team travels a lot. Our football team is about to go on the road three of the next four weeks. Now I get that the band is three times the size of the football traveling team. I get that. 
but still we're talking student athletes. It, it, one, one group of student athletes should not be any less than another. And if they are going money, to hey, hey Brian, I, 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 it, this is going to be a bigger discussion than it needs to be, but it comes down to funds. It ain't philosophy in this case. <laughs> At the end of the day, you got to fund two nights, all them buses per diem. It's expensive to move that band. That's the that's the bottom line. All right. Well said. All right. Um, all right. I got some audio clip here. Moving forward to the last point, because a lot of one of the things now we put out the poll, obviously one of the things that was missing from the game day experience was what Marcus Kelvin. The cannon, the kaboom, the, the boom. We scored touchdowns. We hear the boom. Right. And so I'm going to uh, play for you the clip from uh, A.D. Sykes where she talks about what what all went down and what happened there. We, we'll play this here. Let's see. Hopefully, hopefully this will all work out here where you can where you can hear it. Let's see. I'm going to share this right off of our right off of the Twitter feed. Okay, do I need to turn my volume down? Maybe. Oh, I started okay. getting emails about people saying they really just did not like the cannon. Um, and so I had over the course of months an overwhelming number of people who just said that they were impacted in some way by the cannon. So I made the decision to not engage the cannon. I have since, since people noticed there was no cannon, people have asked about it, but I still have not had more people ask about it than I had advocated against it yet. So I'm not saying it's completely off the table, but that's why we have not started the season with the cannon. Mm. <laughs> A lot of discussion in the room. Alright, we're gonna we're gonna let the two Twitter club take a poll, Eddie. About the cannon, and we'll get the results back to AD Sykes, and it should be able to make an informed decision. So, um, <laughs> all right, hey, Brian, let me yeah. let, let me jump in on this one real quick. Oh, please, please. This was one of those moments <laughs> where, I, where I thought about doing a belt session today. <laughs> let me tell you something. You can't poo-poo on our tradition. The cannon has been there since I was a little boy, and I'm 52 years old, right? So if I don't care. First of all, these these anonymous people who uh, may or may not have been coming to the game all these years, I don't care if it's two or five or ten. That ain't the way you do away with tradition. Come in. Keep everything the way it is. Communicate that you considering a decision. And then before you make that decision, vet it. But I mean, just to just to say you got two emails. Who who say them emails from legitimate rattlers? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, man, I just got so much problem with that. That the process of making that decision. I got a couple of emails, so I ain't, you know, I'm not gonna do it. A tradition that's been going on for 50 years or plus. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be going on, to be honest. That's too cavalier for me when you're talking about tradition. 
So, you know, and you didn't put no names with it. No. All right, put some names with it. Hey, All right, let them stand up for it. Look, look but, at but that I, I just, I really, hopefully we had a cannon. We, we asked, we asked people, did they miss the cannon, right? 75% of the people we polled said they missed it. I, it's I mean, tradition. It's I mean, tradition. you just used to it. Mm-hmm. And it's still, and just like everybody else, it still got me, even though I know it's coming. I'm still looking. Like, oh, here comes Cannon. But Man, we, can't, we can't be knocking off years, our two twenty oh, club oh, members. Yeah, that, but over the years true. they've they've downsized the cannon, right? So the last couple of years it was a smaller cannon, which actually used less ammunition and stuff, and they can go to even a smaller size cannon. So I mean, you know. Come on, man. That 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 was makes us different, man. That was makes us special. You ain't finna who who's that? You don't go to Tampa Bay on a, at a home game and tell my they ain't gonna shoot a cannon when in, when when they score off the pirate ship. Come on, man. What are we doing? Now I know it's part of the game ago. day atmosphere. It's I fun. Agree. Yeah. Stop, man. Don't bring that Sadita Howard mess here. <laughs> this is the South. We like tailgating and we like the cannon. We like the kaboom. Well, you ain't got none of those two no more. No more tailgating. Boy, boy, no, I got, more, no more tailgating. Hey, I a, no more. As move. you can tell, I feel a certain way about that cannon. I, I, I do. You do. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Marcus, go ahead. What did you want to add in there? Oh, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I, it's kind of hard. I know there was an article a couple of years ago about they had cut back on uh, the cannon firing just because of the cost of ammunition they're running. I don't know if that was during COVID or what. But, you know, I mean, I guess a common theme, and it's more probably growing pains on everybody's part, especially VPAD sites, is like, you know, make an executive decision, but you're making decisions about things that people care about. And so, unfortunately, you know, she, she she's growing and, and growing on the, on, the, on the run, or at least on the hot seat with some of these decisions that she's made being in a position to make them, but it may not be the right decision. And the other thing is, even with the cannon, I mean, I know it goes away, or I'm not going, it went away for the first game. And even though it's not the same, we got a big scoreboard with speakers. It won't be the same, but, I mean, you could just as easily, you know, put something up there, turn the volume, crank the volume up, boom, you know, it, but I agree. In terms, in terms yeah. of the, I mean, so it's a very easy solution. It might not be the same, but at least you have the same thing, uh, at least it's a proxy for it. But in terms of the decision and the communication, that's the common theme between that and the tailgating and everything else. It was just poorly communicated at the last minute, and I don't know if the expectation was that people just didn't care enough not to say something, but that was a wrong assumption. So it comes down to how the decisions were made and how it's communicated more so. Yeah. perhaps than even the things that were done. Right. It's like um, Earl Hankerson said, if you told me a month ago about tailgating, you know, I would have been pissed. I would have had to adjust, but I had time to adjust instead of day of the first home game. And something that's been going on for two decades, five decades, is no longer there without any reasonable warning, uh, expectation of it being gone and no warning or any discussion about it. It makes you, again, you go back to say, who are these people that were <laughs> flooding your inbox went on your first week on the job? Well, and, and hold on, hold on, but let me let me go to a bigger question. 
what email did they find? Because they, let me go back and look. The, 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 the doggone, hold on, staff directory. Let me go and look for myself because maybe it's well, on here no, now. Brian, call I was, it, call I was it just going to was just gonna say, Brian, I don't know if you've seen that meme with Tommy Davidson. I think he was at the Breakfast Club, the way you started out. He's like, who are these? <laughs> you know, That's what it sounded like. Because because look, let, we can go to we can go right here, family. I think I'm wondering what email address they got because I don't <laughs> see a public one. Wow. They, maybe they maybe they send them all to Michael Smith. He's number two, and maybe he's the one who had to forward them to whatever email she used. Marcus Grant wasn't there at hey. uh, in January. Breon Haggins wasn't there. Brittany Johnson wasn't there. Markel Broussard wasn't there. Who who do these emails? Who they come from? Who who sent them? Hey, Brian. As far as I can tell, I didn't know she answered emails anyway. I, I mean, you know, I know I ain't got one that been answered. I you if if you if you blue blue. I know someone who had to hunt down a phone number and had to in order to get a conversation with her. So I mean, look, I'm I'm just curious. What are we doing? Why does yeah. everything a fam you have to be consistent? Why does you everything can't have, have yeah, yeah, you gotta respond to everybody? Yeah, I agree. Why does everything a fam you have to seem like a mystery that it takes you five layers to uncover what's going on? Everything seems like a doggone mystery at FAMU. You know, we, we just we we just need to. Where's the mystery time machine? What was it that Scooby and the kids had? Maybe we need to get a van for our show, and we just ride around with the we're a mystery team trying to solve all these issues and figure out because everything's a mystery. We'll be the mystery team. Got to solve issues and figure out what's going on at FAMU because there's never no clear communication. Uh, there's never no direct responses from anybody. We got to drive the mystery machine to figure out. How to resolve the issue. <laughs> Let's just give some money. Ooh, don't say that. Can you? Yep. And then and then take a shot. If you say the word self-inflicted, take a shot. That's that's the new buzzword now. That's the new bingo card. Anytime you got to say self-inflicted, take a shot. Uh, man, come on, man. What are we doing? Mm. Yeah, to Demetrius' point, that's what I was saying. You can't be, can't be getting the cannon and killing off our 220 club people. Well, look. I, well, those I folks kid, been hitting that cannon every year for the last fifty years, I and they ain't stopped. And they ain't stopped them yet. I, no, uh, uh-uh. it ain't that easy. You got to come better than that. <laughs> I empathize with those people. I do, but you know, the, what about the older generation? The older twenty years ago, there were still older folks that still were at the game, and they dealt with the cannon. I mean. And well, it was we a don't bigger, know. Maybe maybe, hey, the, we scored, maybe hey, we previous scored lot, 80s ignored it. We scored a lot more 20 years ago. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we, we scored a lot more touchdowns 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember in the Billy Joe days, we'll uh, run out of we'll run out of uh, gunpowder. Hey, we ran out of gunpowder. <laughs> People's arms are tired from doing push-ups. Man, what are you talking about? It was yeah, shoot. They they ought to be happy these days. They're like, oh, we gotta fire this thing off, but about maybe three times a game. We'll be okay. Um, yeah. So. Some people complain about everything. They take out the fun. They take the fun out of stuff. We got to be careful. We got a great um, game day atmosphere. Let's not take the fun out of our, out of our game day atmosphere. 
Right, right. All right, I'm on, I'm I'm done, Demetri. I'm gonna yeah. move on. I'm no more long winded rants. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I said what I said. It's over. Um, okay, so uh, I believe that was all the major talking points from the appearance. Uh, I I will applaud VP Sykes for standing up there taking the bullets. Did a good job. She uh, Marcus doesn't agree, but I thought she stood up there with a little bit of grace. And uh, not you, Marcus, but uh, our other Marcus. Uh, he, yeah, Marcus in the chat. Yeah, he, he, he. Yeah. So, but anyway, I thought she stood up there, and like I said, she she's cool under fire. I don't think I saw one bead of sweat. Uh, so, and uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll be all right. We'll move forward, everybody. We we'll look forward to another episode of the Two Twenty Club next Wednesday. Uh, also next Wednesday, SWAC Men and Women's Media Days are happening. So. We'll get a chance to hear from well, basketball, basketball, right? Basketball. Yes, basketball media days. Swack basketball media days are next Wednesday. So by the time we do our show, we'll get a chance to hear comments from Coach McCullum as well as Coach Gordon on the team. Um, you know, we're we're still we're still reaching out to Coach Gordon. Hopefully, we can get Coach Gordon on the show. We might get Coach Mack on the show as well, uh, just to kind of get a feel for. Him his uh his thoughts on the uh on the preseason work and uh so be looking out for those uh schedule releases for the women's uh women's team marcus i know we got some recruiting stuff i know we obviously we don't have coach riz tonight but i know you, you put yeah, some he's stuff. traveling okay so you put some stuff in the uh in, on the slides a couple things that we want to go for you want me to show those and go through that yes please it'll be real all right quick. there we go all right. Uh, we got a commitment today, I guess around midday. Keon Brown, a wide receiver, uh, Tallahassee native from Rickards, four-star wide receiver. Uh, originally signed with Oklahoma in the early signing period last December, December 22. And around May of this year, it was discovered or, or revealed that he would be enrolling at uh, Garden City uh, Community College in Kansas and did not play for Oklahoma. And we did see about a month ago that he received a re-offer from FAMU and today he decided to accept that offer by verbally committing. And just tied in with that, I mean, we have a lot, as we've noted, we've had a lot of, we have a lot, we have a senior laden team. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of young talent, but we have a, and a lot, there's a few seniors that'll be living the wide receiver course. So if you think about Marcus Riley, whom I'm assuming has one year of eligibility left this year, same with K. Dot. You have David Manigo. You have um, Chris, I don't remember Chris's last name, but Sanders. Sanders. Chris Sanders. Yes, you have Nick Dixon. So that's at least five or six wide receivers who are seniors or using their last Day -day. year of eligibility. Yeah, last year of eligibility, mm -hmm. Darian Oxen. And so from the transfer route, I think uh, Coach Simmons and Coach Riz have done a good job of replenishing some of the core where we're going to have major, uh, major, major drop off as it relates to the numbers based on COVID seniors. And so we have at least. And there'll be, I guess it'll be a redshirt freshman, uh, Keon Brown. We'll have a redshirt sophomore in um, Quan Lee, who came from UCF. Uh, we'll have, um, I think there's another young man, uh, Chris. 
a young man from Utah, University of Utah. He's young right. as well. As well and, as Gassett. And he's and Jamari Gassett. Yeah, I think he'll yeah. be a junior next year. Right. So we're replenishing through the transfer portal to stock up, in addition to, you know, I guess the one or two that we may have signed, but and having folks come in young. And we'll also, I guess, will be a, a red shirt sophomore. Um, a young man from Reigns High School. And so we'll have a young receiver core, un, you know, untested. They will not have played, m- had much game experience, but they're doing a good job through the portal of getting young talent uh, transferring in. All right. So Mark- this will be another addition to that. Okay. Let me let me interrupt here because we got Coach Riz. He's taking oh, a second okay. on his busy schedule. Let me bring him in. Coach Riz, how you doing today? Tonight, um, I'm I'm doing I'm doing fine. I won't complain. I'm uh, landed in Jackson. My flight was delayed, and I'm I'm missing my luggage. Uh-oh. Oh, oh man. Oh man. It, you in Jackson, Mississippi? I'm in Jackson, Mississippi, with the Rattler sweatsuit on, and it looks it's like a fit. Yep. <laughs> they, 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 they still mad. <laughs> man, look, man, look. They look like they want to cut me. <laughs> 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 oh man, Coach. Uh, uh, man, well, I hope I hope your uh, your luck. Is it, this was the only stop, or did you have a previous stop prior to you getting to Jackson? Yeah, I had to stop in Dallas, and uh, the flight that I was scheduled to be on, it was it kept getting delayed, and it's still delayed now. And I changed my flight, and my mm. so my bag won't come in tonight. Oh man! Mm. All right. Well, hopefully. Uh, and so, what you're you're just gonna travel from Jackson over to Itabina while you're out that way? No, I'm going to hit hit the uh, junior college where I'm out here. So I come out early to uh, get a jump on the team and get out and uh, and uh, get out get out recruiting. Right now, now how often do you do that? Like especially with this road trip, where we've got three three road games in four weeks. Is that something you normally do? Kind of uh, travel to some spots before ahead of the team. Yeah, uh, anytime we play out of town, um, I. I arrive in town on Wednesday, and I get out uh, get out Thursday and Friday uh, before the team arrives. Gotcha, gotcha. Marcus, go ahead. Get, get a question or two in here while we got Coach and we got a good signal and everything. Yes. Uh, coach, thanks for coming on. I wanted to ask about the importance or the significance of FAMU having all of the all-classification football championships being in Bragg this year. Uh, it's very, very important uh, from a, from a financial standpoint. Uh, uh, definitely, <clears throat> I mean, you know, we don't have the biggest budget, so you know, we do our fair share of getting around uh, recruiting. But uh, it benefits us to have the best talent in the state of Florida right there on our campus, mm-hmm. where they get a chance to see our facilities and we get a chance to see those guys um, perform without spending a dollar. Mm. Now, in terms of you know how much interaction you can have, and I'm, I'm not familiar with all the calendar. And I don't know if that's like a dead period or a quiet period. What kind of interaction are you allowed to have once they're on campus or, they, or what kind of restrictions are there in place just from the general NCAA recruiting calendar? Well, well, uh, well, well, it won't be a, won't be an evaluation period. It'll be a quiet period. So we can have some contact being, 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 being that uh, they are on our campus. OK. All right. Thank you. Go ahead, Kelvin. Coach, man, 
awesome job you doing man you and the staff and as a whole but man just awesome job man and i kind of want to get your thoughts on it seems like a lot of the local guys taking a lot of pride in coming home and, and, and playing for the rallies we got a lot on the squad um we're getting good reception from guys who, who still playing at the high school level and then guys transferring back is that a focus of yours i know you're a local local guy like me and and just talk about the benefits of that and, and what, what what's driving that. Well, that's definitely a focus of uh, Coach Simmons. I mean, to have the local guys stay home, um, that's big. I mean, for one, it puts uh, it puts uh, butts in the seats. And also, um, you know, it just gives us, a, uh, gives us a chance to recruit right here in town. Um, but that's definitely um, a focus point for us. I mean, the, the local guys, a lot of local guys that's coming back, um, I had a relationship with those guys before they went off to the bigger schools. And uh, when they go into the portal, um, they're comfortable coming home uh, uh, knowing that uh, that I'm here and also that Coach Simmons is running a great program. Love it, man. Hey, uh, Coach, this past weekend, I think I heard Coach Simmons say there were well, actually the last two home games, about a total of 200 recruits almost about a hundred each weekend. Um, what, what those numbers, what, what were those numbers uh, in total, I guess, or were there any repeats from one weekend to the next, or are those all new guys each weekend? Well, we'll, we'll always have repeats. I mean, you guys want, you know, once guys get snake bitten, they got to come back. <laughs> so uh, they got here and they felt, felt the, um, the, uh, the environment and they always want to double back, but there were, there were a lot of new guys, but there, there were definitely some, uh, some guys that were here the week before. But um, the West Florida game, there was 100 recruits here. And this past weekend, uh, Alabama State, there was 115 recruits here. That's nice. Now, what what kind of thing, what, what kind of reviews? I know every weekend, I'm sure, with between parents and the kids, uh, I'm sure you guys do some evaluation and, and the comments. What are some of the, the things you're hearing from the recruits? What 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 are they enjoying? What are they taking in? What What's really selling – the program outside of the winning uh, culture? What what are some of the things you're hearing? Man, it's the electric atmosphere in Bragg Stadium. Really? I mean, it's been it's been spectacular this year, which it always ha- has been in the past, but this year has a special ring to it. Um, and I think that has to do something with, I think we're itching uh, towards the championship. So, of course, the fans are going to be more festive. And it's, I mean, it's just been a, a crazy atmosphere. I mean, the kids, uh, after every game, I always put on Twitter, I ask them to rate their experience from 1 to 10, and I get nothing but 10, sometimes 100 out of 100 and 1,000 out of 1,000. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's, just the, um, the, uh, that's just the response that we've been getting. Man, that, 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 that's lovely. That's lovely. Makes it, makes, it, uh, makes it a great opportunity for you guys to kind of take your pick and get your pick of who you want. Uh, go ahead, Marcus. I guess my next question is, if you wouldn't mind, you know, elaborating a little bit as, as much as you can in terms of the, the changes that you've seen or the changes that you've helped to foster on the family football recruiting since you arrived two years ago. Well, I'll say this. I mean, Coach Simmons and staff has always done a great job at recruiting. They've always done a great job. Um, I think what's taking it to the next level is having a guy to come in that doesn't coach a position. I don't coach. I don't break down any film. I don't watch any film. I recruit all day and all night. 
I think that's the biggest the biggest thing because they've always done a great job. Um, as I've said before on y'all show, I never take all the credit for what's going on here at FAMU as far as recruiting go. Um, I'm not that guy, but I know uh, for sure that that's, you know, that's what it is. I mean, just having a guy that's dedicated to recruiting and he doesn't have to do anything else but recruit. Okay, and I also saw that you, um, I guess maybe a month or so ago, you put out some feelers for some recruiting interns or recruiting graduate students. How did that go? Uh, it went it went pretty uh, pretty well. We got some interns from uh, that are students right right here at FAMU um, that volunteered their their time uh, with me uh, on uh, game day. So that works out great. It's hard to uh, it's hard to entertain a hundred recruits and their families by myself. So to have those uh, those uh, students to come in and, and uh, dedicate their time uh, it's been a blessing. Thank you, Coach. Kelvin, you want to get one last one in there with Coach? Yeah, Coach, pull pull the onion, pull back the layer of uh, the, uh, the onion skin on on the recruiting process. Uh, I kind of like to know how you approach um, who to offer, and then going from offer to uh, early signing, and then reevaluate, reshuffling the deck, and going to the the regular signing period. Kind of talk about your process, your thought process as a staff. Well. For one, I mean, first, we're looking for guys with great character. Uh, definitely great character, also great grades. Uh, family has become a, um, an uh, institution that's how academic, how, how academics in which we've, we've always been, but we're continuing to continue to grow and getting into family is becoming harder. So we're looking for, for with guys with great, uh, great character and great academics. And then, uh, man, one of our biggest things is speed. I mean, we're in Florida, so you got, you got, you got to be able to run. Whether I don't care if you're a D lineman, an O lineman, or what, what, whatever position, you got to be able to run. Um, but those are the, the some of the top things that we look for when, when we're recruiting. And uh, and about and with the the early signing period, the early the early signing period is pretty much dedicated to the JUCO and the portal. All right, so we get on the the, the high school guys in the second signing period. So that first uh, that first uh, period is dedicated to the portal in the JUCO. That's why I'm out here in Mississippi now to get a beat on the uh, JUCO guys out here in Mississippi. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Good. What, what uh, your, your numbers, you, you already project, obviously you have to project out next season and maybe even two years from now. Um, the, does the number that you, you don't have to give me a number. I'm not asking for a number, but it, does the number that you're looking at for uh, the early signing period and spring 24, is it larger than last year or is it about the same um and to be honest it may be larger we're losing a lot of older guys so we have to fill fill a lot of gaps in those uh those spaces so it may be uh maybe a little larger and and with that and with that does there there comes a balance and i guess coach simmons and and you and the staff have to decide do you go younger or do you go older i know you, you talked about the philosophy of the early period, but the, what what makes that decision in terms of the number, like how you split that up between high school and JUCO slash uh, transfer portal? Well, we'll we'll always be dedicated to taking some high school guys. Of course, um, the recruiting game has changed a lot. It has. So if you're recruiting against your competition and, and they're recruiting uh, almost strictly portal, you kind of have to uh, uh, match fire with fire. 
but yeah. we'll always take high school guys definitely and uh you know the way we kind of uh, split that up is uh what we have in each room so if we have a older defensive line room of course we can take some younger guys in the d-line room if we have a, a younger room of returning guys of course we'll want to uh want to put older guys in there for leadership gotcha gotcha all right. Uh, any any last questions here? So I know it's a late night. Coach has got to be looking for his luggage, or he's without his luggage. Any final, <laughs> any, any anything you want to? Any last things, Marcus? Uh, or are we good? No, I think I'm good. I mean, we can always invite Coach back, but I think you know, given the late hour and everything else, we probably let him let him get on out of here and get settled in. Well, hey, uh, Coach, man, we we appreciate you taking time, jumping mm-hmm. on with us uh we, we hope that the luggage shows up well and everything and and uh and everything's guys, in it yeah everything's <laughs> in it <laughs> right you had no fam you tags on it or nothing you you'd be okay probably uh the folks at jackson uh anyway let me not say that uh they're gonna take care of you but hey coach man you guys be safe out there mm-hmm. be safe on the road uh you know uh good luck out there on the recruit trail and good luck in itabino on saturday okay i appreciate you guys for having me Yes, sir. All right, Thank appreciate you, coach, coach, for coming on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All Go right. All right, Coach Riz. Uh, coach Riz Press joining us. Uh, that's awesome, man. Glad he was able to jump in yeah. and, and and join us uh, for for that segment. Um, all right. Um, couple other quick notes before we get into the picks and the schedule for this upcoming week. I, I feel like we have to make mention of the fact that uh, another volleyball player, uh, of course, as mentioned earlier in the show, volleyball split over the weekend. Uh, unfortunately, lost to Alabama State on Friday, but they won against Alabama A&M in a sweep. Uh, Camila De La Rosa uh, collected her second SWAC award um, this past week. She's now a two-time SWAC player of the week as uh, she was again uh, the newcomer of the week after compiling 52 assists in the opening weekend. Uh, she had uh, 29, let's see, 29 assists, nine digs against Alabama State, um, and had three blocks and 23 assists against Alabama A&M. Uh, so, hey, Brian, is- uh, Brian or or uh, Marcus, do you know? Because I asked Coach. I was at the Alabama State game early, and before the game started, I had a chance to briefly chat with uh, Coach Gokhan, and he was pretty coy in his response. Those players who didn't play in that Charleston tournament, uh, that South Carolina tournament, did you notice if they played or not? Because he was very non-committal. <laughs> when I asked them, was everybody? I asked I them what they the did. Question I asked was anybody hurt? I, I, I know everybody. Everybody. Brooklyn healthy. Watts played. Brooklyn Watts played. I do know that. I do, I did I'm not sure about her. Dominique Turner. Yeah, he, he said it was. It, it had. He did say there were no injury issues. Mm, okay. Mm, okay. Sounds like so might have been might have been something else going on that caused a few people to maybe miss some 
some game time is what it what it sounded like. Uh, right. Got to focus. Yeah, got to focus. Before, before you go too far, Brian, I do want to circle back around to the recruiting because now the oh, coach yeah. misses off. We could talk about we did get another verbal commitment early, I think on Monday. Okay, is that uh, and that graphics? Not him. Not, actually, he's um. I put that in there because that's a, a track guy that crossed off uh, Tennessee or Miami. Okay, uh, this should be in there. Uh, make sure I saved it. So it may not be in there. I I think I know who you're talking about because I think I saw I saw the tweet. Uh, okay, yeah, Jalen Neal. He's a three-star defensive back athlete from Buford High School in in Georgia. It was one of the powerhouses. Yes, and they've they've moved up and they're at the top classification, class seven A now. They've moved up from five A six A. And if, seven, I, if I remember correctly, they nationally ranked too. Highly likely. I haven't checked yeah. recently. You know, I know, but typically they're in the mix for state titles at whatever classification they're playing, and they've won at just about every level. So now they're at the highest level in Georgia. Now, Jalen Neal is that who Jalen Neal? Right there? Mm-hmm. Yep, there, there it is, right there. And he's uh, a consensus three star from On Three Sports. Um, ESPN and Rivals, not ranked by a 24-7 sports, but he gave us a verbal commitment, and he visited during the University of West Florida weekend. I don't know if he came back for Alabama State, but I think on Mondays when he gave us his verbal commitment. So it'll be interesting. Once again, you know, accumulating, accumulating a lot of young talent at the skill positions, either via transfer, high school, or transfer or high school. So, you know, you think about between this young man for class of 2024, we got a three-star class of 2023 player uh, from Palm Beach Central. That you know seems to, you know have a lot of talent. Uh, we have another three-star who played running back and defensive back for for um, University Christian, Oral Gray. He played for University Christian over in Jacksonville. Another consensus three-star who played offense and defense. So we're accumulating in addition to the transfer talent, that's young red-shirted talent coming in on the wide receiver. So outside at the skill positions, we're building up a lot of young talent. Now, as coach Riz also mentioned, you know, we have a lot of senior talent at the defensive line. So I'm kind of curious to see where that's going to go. Cause I think between, I don't know how many folks will be returning after next year, maybe a transfer that came in 2022, like James Ash, and I think it'll be either um, his redshirt junior, redshirt senior year for uh, Gentle Hunt, and then hopefully, of course, we'll have um, everyone returning. But we have a lot of seniors. Some of the transfers this year were seniors or graduate students at the along the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to yeah. remind people. That's all I if, okay, if you if you have a, I know a, I, th- I thought I saw somebody in the chat might have been Bull that had a, a name of somebody always hit up coach Riz on Twitter at coach to bless. That's the number two. So coach to bless, uh, send him an email or send, if you got a kid's uh, clip, I mean, I'm sure he, he's, he goes through videos all the time. So he's always looking, always searching. Uh, and so if you send it, and then I would tell that young athlete, I would tell him, hey, send something to this coach from FAMU. And, you, you know, you, you never know. 
man, the, we're always looking. And I think we got one of the best in uh, in college football. And I, Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I, I think we were we were number two or three in the FCS or HBCU. I, I think we're on our way to being number one easily. But you want you want to be in the top five to ten. I mean, that's how uh, the championship programs are made up of recruiting in the top, you know, five to 10. If you can stay within that, that range, you'll be good to go. One other athletic team performance that we got to mention, how about the men's golf? Men's golf team placed second at the BCGCA, Black College Hall of Fame event that was Monday and Tuesday in Stockbridge, Georgia, on the Eagles Landing Country Club course. Um, the Rattlers finished second with a total score of 585. Uh, top 10 finishes were for, ooh, these names, boy. Uh, Patrick M. I'm going to say Patrick M. Uh, he finished with a score of 140. And then Patrick Jean-Pierre with a score of 144, he finished seventh. Patrick M. finished third. Uh, Jean-Pierre finished seventh. And then you had uh, Taylor Bell finishing 20th, and then Jonathan Scott finishing tied for 21st. So uh, nice job by our men's golf team. Let's kind of quickly – I just want to quickly look and see where they're at next. Um, In October – They'll be playing at the USF Invitational Plantation. That'll be in Brooksville, Georgia. So that's where they'll be. Uh, that's a Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so that's uh, that's where they'll be. And they got a they got a busy October. They got three tournaments in October um, in Brooksville, Georgia, Cary, North Carolina, and Kennesaw, Georgia, as well. Okay. Um, Let's do let's go through the roundup of the of the swag and then let's get out of here. Let's see if we can do this in five minutes. I'm setting a goal here. Five minutes. Uh, we're not gonna go through the games from last week. Uh, although I will take note that I think I did get the bold prediction correct as your boy called for a pick six, and I got one. So finally got one. And so I think we are now all have one bold prediction win under our plate or on our plate or under our belt is I guess that's the better way of saying that phrase, right? All right. So uh, for this upcoming weekend, the SWAC, Jackson State and Bethune-Cookman, two teams who just played each other. Uh, those two teams are on a bye. Everybody else is playing somebody this week. Uh, first game up to bat, gentlemen, is it's homecoming in Alabama, a&M in Huntsville, Alabama. It's Tuskegee, who were unbeaten and sitting atop uh, many people, or sitting in the top three, top four, and many people's polls in, in Division Two or uh, mid-major under non-Division One football rankings. Uh, Tuskegee four and zero coming into Alabama A&M for homecoming. The game is three p.m. Eastern on HBCU Go. Who you got winning this one, Kelvin? Tricky, but I'm gonna go with Alabama and I'm at home. Close. Okay, Marcus. 
I say the same. Skeek is undefeated and they're coming in hot. But I think Alabama A&M might pull it out. Man, the value of beating somebody on the road. Alabama A&M got a win, did they not, this past week uh, on Thursday last week? Yeah, and they, got 10, and they got 10 days to prepare. Ah, man, I, I think Tuskegee is going to give them – that's going to be a – I'm, I'm riding with y'all, but I, I will not be surprised to lose that game uh, to Alabama if they lose that game. I will not be surprised in the least. Another homecoming game, this one in Houston, Texas Southern, hosting Lincoln, California, who we will see later on in the year. That's 3 p.m. Eastern. Still no word on if Andrew Body will play. Uh, yeah, apparently, apparently put out some kind of cryptic or not so cryptic post on really? social media today. Yeah. You leaving? Uh, well, and you can't always rely yeah, on Yeah, that's what I'm anticipating. Yeah, you can't always rely I, on the interpretation. I wouldn't be shocked if he's in a transfer reporter after this season. Mm-hmm. And he's he, and he's not returning. Uh, kind of another Kalen. Uh, you know, didn't what's what's the kid? Kalen Newton did a similar thing. Um, season got off to a bad start, maybe due to injury or whatever, and then he just kind of kind of walked away from it all uh, and went went transferred. Uh, my guy Tony here. Tony's saying he is out for the year. Ooh, wow, that's breaking news. Ah. Uh, I, that's a that's a tough one for uh, head yeah. coach uh, McKinney, man. McKinney, McKinney had been, you know, and this is the final year on his contract. If I'm not mistaken, he had been building to this season. I mean, he had really done a done a. I mean, took a program that was 0 and 10 or something like that, 0 and 11, 1 and 10. Ugh. Was they record right now? Uh, 0 and. Four, oh, I might get their first win against this. This, this about this may be the only one. <laughs> this might be the only one. Yes, indeed, it might be the only one. Uh, yeah, don't don't be putting that out there. I, I, on, mean, uh, we, I think we all pick in Texas Southern on this. We can go to the yeah, next one. Yeah, we're not even gonna mess with that one. Um, okay, the next one, Southern traveling to UAPB, Kelvin's favorite team, five p.m. Eastern. <laughs> tricky, PM. tricky. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Southern. This this one at home, and, and Southern got us net, so it's a perfect trap game. Give me, give me my theme music. I'm going with upset. <laughs> I'm going UAPB. Oh man, going with the home team, Marcus. What do you got? Mm. I don't know. I might be cured of the UAPB. Uh, I'm about to get it. Like uh, Bumani said, I'm have to. What does he say? Get off the. Uh, uh, what's the? Dang, I forgot what you said. Get off the slide. Like, get off the slide. What? No, not off the slide. Get off that. Um, get off the drug. Yeah, oh, get off that. Get off the drug. Get off the juice. Yeah. So I'm about to get off that UAPB juice. Going I'm gonna go southern. with southern. Yeah. 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 I'm. Uh, I'm going with southern too. Trap I'm sorry. game. Trap game. Yes, Good team. Is. At home. Trap game. What? Remember, what I said it. What Take a picture, you? write it down. Uh, it's it's a it's on wax. It's written unless you unless you erase it out of the uh, uh off the bull off the screen here. It, it's it's there. It's on it's on wax. Okay, another swag matchup. Two Great teams. Game. Two teams coming off of a loss, and essentially this game could 
could kind of knock someone out of any kind of contention of winning their division. That's Alcorn State traveling to Alabama State, 6 p.m. Eastern. Woo, that's going to be a tough one. I don't know who to pick on this one. A defensive slugfest. I'm going to go with Alabama State at home. I think they quarterback. I, th- I think they got a slightly better defense. The offense, and, and I believe the quarterback, you know, will continue to get better. So I'm going to go with, in a very tight game, I'm going to go with Alabama, uh, Alabama State. Yeah, I think if you see a if you see a point spread anywhere under around thirty eight to thirty nine, take the under, take the under. I think points will be at a premium in this. Country. Yeah, it ain't gonna be a lot of scoring. Marcus, no. what do you think? Who are they playing? It's Alabama State against who? Alcorn State, who lost Ooh. on the last last minute at the buzzer to uh, to uh, Prairie View at home. At home, lost at home on a field goal. Hmm, that's tough because. Well, I mean, Alabama State's defense was tough last week, especially in the second half. But we know Alcorn's got, uh, don't they? I think they have that star running back who was in the first team all conference. Jarvion Howard. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and where's it being played? Alabama State. Alabama, Alabama State. State Montgomery. I'm going to go with them on a slim margin. Alabama okay. State. Hornets in a close one. Yeah, the schedule, I mean, the, already this season. Alabama State, this would be their third home game in the first four games of the season. Uh, I think they do play like six six uh, home games this season, but three in the first four, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, unfortunately, they're one and two. Uh, I'm sticking with Alabama State, and I'm going with the home team. State Fair Classic is the last matchup that we got. Preview off the uh, last second field goal on the road. And Grambling coming off of a win. The uh, State Fair Classic in Dallas, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus in the historic Cotton Bowl. Preview has won the last six contests. Before that, Grambling had won like the previous five. So this is a will, – will a streak continue? Will a new streak get started? What do you see, Kelvin? Preview versus Grambling. You know, everybody talk about Gremlin, uh qu- quarterback who was at Alabama State in the offense. They done played Florida Memorial and Texas Southern. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I got to see it. This game will tell me a lot about Gremlin. I'm gonna go with Prairie View on this one. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you were going that way. As soon as the way you started, the way you started that, I, he, I started typing. I'm like, oh, he's going Prairie View. Uh, Marcus, who do you got? I'm going to go with Grambling. We'll see how it works out. Um, I don't know. It seems like PV. I don't know. It's kind of up and down historically. I don't know if they've. You're right. You know, they are just... up and down. Coming off so... an emotional win. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the streak comes to an end. I, I too, I picked Grambling. Uh, I think that'll be. The... Look, look. If that happens. You potentially might have Grambling sitting at two and zero in the West in first place, mm-hmm. and so I'll be uh, Grambling right now has the either the number one or number two offense right behind us or with us mm-hmm. in the SWAC right now, and uh, those two running backs they got 
Uh, those two dudes. I do so, like them. I'm I do glad like we don't have rambling on the uh, schedule right now. That's yeah. all, you know. But that's all right. We may see them uh, in the in the. In, in brag for the SWAC championship game. But anyway, okay, bold prediction time. FAMU at Mississippi Valley State. 7 p.m. Eastern is the kickoff. That's 6 Central. The game pro- it will be on the Mississippi Valley State uh, network. YouTube. YouTube, yes, it'll mm-hmm. be on YouTube. Um, we talked about maybe I have to broadcast a game in Savannah State, so I will miss most of this game. Uh, we, we talked about doing a watch party. I know I was talking to Keith Hadley of Fangs Up Podcast about doing a watch party. So uh, I don't know. Just just be looking out for something that uh, might get done. But uh, let's go bold predictions. Obviously, we all think FAMU is going to win this game. What's the bold prediction that you're willing to make on this game, though, Kelvin? I'm tired of trying to predict about a scoring points. That don't seem to pan out. So <laughs> I'm going to go the opposite way. Uh, I'm going to predict the shutout. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, uh, that's 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 good. That's likely. Interesting. They, what was the final score against uh, North Carolina Central, 45-3, to three, or was it 45-7? Yep. 45-3. Wow. All right. Now, this also makes their first home game, so it'll be interesting. It and it's at night. So the grass will be really green. The grass will be really green for this one. It should look good on television, on YouTube, rather. All right. Uh, what do you got, Marcus? What's your prediction? Uh, I keep making special teams predictions like punt returns and all that other stuff. Um, I say we're going to get over 200 yards rushing. Mm. Don't do it, Marcus. Don't fall for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait till you hear mine, though, Marcus, because in order, I was just sitting here thinking about it as I was writing it. And I'm thinking, okay, in order for this to happen, this has to happen. And then you go say what you said. So now I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know about mine now. But anyway, I'm predicting over 500 yards of total offense. So I, I, I'm i going with that very fact that hopefully the rushing game shows up with over 100, 150, maybe close to two and that the passing hits over three. So anyway, I'm going over 500 yards of total offense. You notice, notice, other than Kelvin's with a shutout, none of us talked about a score, which, look, I mean, are we all – tell the truth. We're going to be – to what level of disappointment are we going to be if we can't put at least 40 up on the board? You got to be disappointed. Delta State put up 35, Central put up uh, 45, and that's not what – that's without they starting quarterback. Yeah. Who didn't play that game? Right. So the expectations should be a blowout. Blowout should be at least a forty piece, and and that's what I'm riding with. And it's gonna be disappointing. I don't, all this. Look, look here. This the this is everybody on the show, and, and who gonna watch it later? All this talk about yeah, you gotta play every game. All that coaches speak stuff, man. Blah blah blah. We don't play the best four teams on our schedule. We got a loaded team. If we are who we think we are, then damn it, blow somebody out. That's what good teams do. They yeah. blow out the teams they're supposed to. And to be honest, we should have had 
at least two by now. Because Jackson State, we had a lot of missed passes. And either South Florida or last week, you know, with the opportunities. Alabama State, I give them a pass with the defense. Not a pass, but they have a good defense, and they came out second half. But we had a 14-3 lead at halftime. But with West Florida and Jackson State, the opportunities were there to do so. We just didn't just didn't have good – just didn't do execute well in the first half against West Florida and second half against against Jackson State. Because for all intents and purposes, I mean, we could be looking at giving up nine points total across our three FCS games. Because mm-hmm. that touchdown for Jackson State came when the backup quarterback came in after – uh, Jason Brown got his hand hurt, and he was scrambling. He was a different kind of quarterback, and we blew that coverage, and they got that long pass. West Florida, you know, that in and of itself. And then last week, Alabama State got the touchdown on a ball that was tipped twice in the middle of the field with two defenders right there and the quarterback just heaving it in the middle of the field late. Yeah, he just in threw the, it up. In the, in the grasp. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> those plays, which, you know, no discredit to the wide receivers who caught it and ran the ball in, yeah. but were plays that aren't the way you drew them up. Otherwise, if everything else stayed the same, we would have been looking at three points versus Alabama State, three points versus Jackson State. And, you know, a, a really, really good showing against the top top 10 Division II school that's annually in the playoffs and has a national championship under their belt. Well said, Marcus. Well said. Well said. Good job. Um, all right. I uh, want to remind everybody, make sure you're following us on our social media accounts. Uh, that's um, ONG Strike Zone, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Be looking out for the BCSN pod zone everywhere you download and listen to podcasts. Uh, Do us a favor and just uh, go, go, go download rate review, share the podcast, whether you're listening to it right now on YouTube, we appreciate everybody who's watching it live. No, many of you are watching it uh, after the fact. Um, You can always email the show ONG strike zone at gmail.com. Send in your questions, send in your suggestions, your thoughts, uh, maybe guests, some guests that maybe we should try to bring on to the show. Um, hopefully you enjoyed uh, Maya Ellison, who came on earlier. Hopefully Coach Capri Howard, who joined us. And then, of course, of course Coach Riz, uh, Devin Rizpress, for taking some time on the road in the airport to call us. Please let them know on social media that you appreciate them coming on the show, taking time out. And talking to us, talking to you, uh, that's how we keep those guests coming. Uh, so um, final words, Marcus, anything you want to add? Final final thought, word? I'm just excited about this weekend. Can't wait to see what, you know, how it turns out. And uh, hopefully it turned out with a, a blowout victory. No injuries. Everybody come back safe and sound and get ready for Southern. Kelvin. Congratulations to all the Hall of Fame inductees from this past weekend and also to uh, George Godfather Thompson in the naming of the uh, the um, equipment room in his honor with the collage and everything. Well-deserving. 
And also, I'm going to add congratulations to there's a group of FAMU alums that were recently recognized by the Florida High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame. I had their names written down, dog on it, and I left that sheet of paper uh, back in my office like a like a loser. Um, I so but I think at least two, maybe Traz Powell and yeah, uh, Bob Traz Hayes. Powell, one was Bob Hayes. Uh, I, think, I don't even I think Tyrone. Murray. Don't Col- don't Coleman goes in. Who? Coleman. Didn't I see somewhere where he going no, into no, the athletic? No, no, that that's the Florida Greg, Sports. Greg Coleman. That's the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. I'm talking. Yeah, about- he's going in this this month though. Yeah, but I'm talking about the Florida High School Athletic Association. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Coach Roll's mother, Frankie Shannon Roll, she went in. Um, hmm. Bob Hayes went in. Um, Nathaniel Tras Powell went in. Um, Ooh, the other two I had them. Oh, Earl S. Kitchings mm-hmm. went in. Um, Congratulations, Earl! And then was uh, Earl Senior. This is Earl Senior. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, this is Earl Senior. Not none. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the oh, and then Bob Hayes. So there, there's the five. There's the five right there. Um, right there. Uh, Bob Hayes, Earl S. Kitchings. Uh, Nathaniel Trash Powell. Uh, Frankie Shannon Roll. And I, I feel like I forgot. Did I just forget somebody? I, I know I did. Anyway, I'll I hopefully I said all five of them. Um oh, Blanche General Ely. That's the fifth. Miss Blanche General Ely. Um that's the fifth one. So there they are, the five inductees to the 33rd annual Florida Athletic Hall of Fame. That's that joint venture there between the FIAA, which then later became the FHSAA. So, um, you know, that's coaches, administrators, and athletes. All of those individuals were them. So uh, we continue to celebra- celebrate our history and uh, let's continue to share that love with, with the world. Uh, we are the greatest university in the state of Florida. We are the greatest HBCU in the nation and uh, one of the uh, the best universities in the country. Yes, now it's time to go. I don't know who just typed that in there. Somebody did. The boss did. All right. Boss probably. He did. He, he probably looked up and said, really? Anyway, time to go, folks. <laughs> Fangs up in in Avena. Ah, man, we love this. We're just giving the people what they want. Giving the people what they want. That's what we do. We We committed. Committed. Working working overtime. Peace out, everybody. You guys be safe. (laughs) I'm not even going to add to that. All right. Uh, We'll let you know via on social media if we're going to do any kind of post-game show or anything like that. So you guys be looking out. Um, Thanks again for watching. Share the show. Rate, review, wherever you can. And uh, God bless everybody. Be safe. Peace out.